welcome back to the only show that breaks down, cracks up, skews, and reviews each week's DC Comics. I'm Gotham Girl's half-brother, Eric Shea. And I'm Jim Warner. And this is the Weird Science DC Comics Podcast, episode number 426. 426, Eric. That's a problem for you, being a half-brother of Gotham Girl. Nothing really comes out very well for her and her family. You have a target on your back. Hey, No, everybody. no, because I only have half-brothers and half-sisters, oh, and anything that happens deal? in their life has nothing to do with me. Well, no, because everything that happens in their life is good. You, you, you get the bad stuff. Hey, well, welcome all you weirdos to the Get Fresh Crew podcast. The yeah. stream. Uh-uh. Ghost stream, uh-uh, Eric. And here we are for our podcast. We have a plethora of books. That means six. We already had a bunch that we'll talk about in just a moment, but... One of the big things to announce here is if you are enjoying our podcast, which I hope you are, next week is Patreon only. It's an annuals week. We have a bunch of annuals coming out every time there's an annuals week. That is Patreon only. Pretty low, I've been told. But if you want to go and check that out next week, as well as all of the shows that we do over on Patreon, go over to patreon.com slash weird science. And you can check that out for as little as a dollar next week. It'll make you holler. I hear And so with that, Eric, though, just to push it out there, we also had on the Patreon this week on our Patreon spotlight picked by the badasses of the Get Fresh crew. Uh -uh. Ended up having Teen Titans Academy number 15 and DC versus Vampires Hunters number one that said at the end to be continued. The end. It's halfway through the series, please. But we ended up talking about that, had some fun talking about things we already mentioned even on our TGIF show that I'll mention in a minute as well. The idea that we wanted Jaina so bad as the vampire hunter, we didn't get that, but you get Damien. Because this end up time, vampires, some things it's going. personal. Yeah, this time it sucks, buddy. Is that what they say, Eric? No. I hear that that's what the Wolfman the said Wolfman. once. But also this week, if you weren't aware on this regular feed, we did a have a thank God it's Friday, a TGF, TGIF show. A Shadow War special was Deathstroke Inc. number nine and Robin number 14, which were the sixth and seventh, I believe, parts of the set of the Shadow War. The penultimate issue was the Robin one. We'll be finishing that up with an Omega issue next week. Again, Patreon only. But yeah, check that show out as well. We're going to get moving pretty quickly here because we have, as I said, a plethora. That means six books. We have a bunch of books, some oversized things. So. Before we head off to that, though, obviously, we have to give a shout out to the badasses of the Get Fresh crew. Here is their roll call, Eric. Ah, ah, we have the ghost stream. Ghost stream. Ghost stream. Uh, uh, Eric, I'm I'm already having problems. I have to find this. Jeffrey Greek. Stephen Bat Dad Mitchell. I hope he's feeling better. The Annihilator, Ted Probst, I Love Punchline, Stork, Michael S., Forrest Pauly, Cam, Joseph Watchstick, Matt Razor, D-Men 3000, Lady Abby and Lord Andy, Red, Matches Alone, Niels T-Wart, Cuddle Camp, David Fink, Joey Bercasco, Stephen Baum, Jason Colby, Sue 42 to you and me, Michael G., Ken Halleck, Comic Boom Araki from the Comic Boom YouTube channel, Cellar Dweller, Mark Jager, Aldrin Stoja, Nick Adams, Bill Beer from the Bat Pod, Ruben, Ruben's there, he still likes the Sounders, he's an X-Men fan and a Sounders fan, Carlos, Noah Marv, Luke Hollywood going on holiday soon, that's what they call it, Eric, Simon, Luis, Manship, Andrew and Belfast, loving that Obi-Wan show, Swanee, Anthony G, Josh Vermillion, my man Pete from NYC, Batman Beyond Amar, our man Rob Lewis, Brandy Murray, B. Murr up there in Buffalo, and 
Double A Ron. Where is Double A Ron? He's in Minnesota and an all time great red. Stop doxing boom. people. Ah, uh, boom. Minnesota. He's there. Probably eating fried foods, as I always say there, Eric. But we do have six books. We have some big ones. We have some books that people have told me instant classics. I've been told. Who've told Eric, you that? I did. They told reviews. you that. You've seen people say that. I saw reviews on the one instant classic. Rebel Radio Riddler. There's also Rebel Radio Riddler, Eric. Not I don't know if you know that. There isn't enough. That is a big problem this week. But with all that said and done, let's get off to the books with what Rebel will be the Radio start, Riddler. Eric. Rebel Radio Riddler, Riddler Radio. Here we go. Rebel, Rebel, Riddler Radio. While Riddler's hitting the airwaves. Rebel Radio Riddler. Well, Batman's hanging in his micro caves. Rebel Radio Riddler. I just want Batman to solve the case. I want him to punch someone in the face. Rebel, Rebel, Riddler Radio. Eric, it's time for Rebel Riddler Radio indeed. Is that I what I said? I, no, it's the problem is I didn't have a lot of time when I thought of that song. Ended up recording it, then putting your thing in, and yours was a little different than mine, but I still think that it works. And here we are for that. I just wanted you to be part of the song, is what I wanted to do. I ended up having to go back to the last podcast, find where you said it. I had to isolate it. I was doing all this crazy stuff. Before we get into this, though, I am admiring that cover still. That is one of the best covers ever with the hipster driving Riddler. Uh, I still like to just, imagine that Rebel Radio Riddler is all about the Uber drivings when he's not freaking doing the Rebel Radio. Oh, my God. I got a Batman's for a fair. <laughs> well, here's the thing. When is that? Because this guy does not have a set schedule. He is recording at all times. It seems I don't get it. But here we are. We have three books. We have a, a classic section at the beginning, detective action. But then we'll throw in a little Aquaman. Not Uncle Boys, Eric. They're grown men, men to boys, boys to men. Here we go. But if you want to see written reviews of these books, go over to our website, Weird Science, Weird Science DC Comics.com, and you can check those out. But we'll jump right into this because we do have a plethora of books. This is Detective Comics number 1060, written by Mariko Tamaki and Nadia Shamas, with art by Ivan Rice, Danny, Mickey, Brad Anderson, and Ariana Mayer. We do have a backup. We'll get to that after we talk about the main story by Cine Grace, the Guffin Girl interrupted. But we'll get right into the Rebel Radio, Riddler, Riddler Radio here. And the problem is, you said it, there's not enough of him. I'm starting to lose track of what the story really is all about. Well, and when you base the ideas off this background, like, oh, my God, we have a classic Batman villain in a far out new costume. Like, what do you think is worse, honestly, hipster Rebel Radio Riddler or the Wicker Man Scarecrow? Because it seems like new updates for these characters. and I kind of hate both of them, but I can go with it to a degree. But when you have this going on, it's like, OK, I know it's cliche. I know it's tropey. I want to see Batman solve a Riddler and punch Riddler in the face. But when everything is based around the idea of, hey, everybody, Riddler's on a fucking podcast, your web like series, he's doing TV stuff. I don't know what he's doing. He's doing every kind of media all of the time that everybody's paying attention to. And while that's going on, the clues are out there that when is a murderer, not a murderer. And I'm like, I don't know, because we have this weird mystery afoot about people just going and committing murders and or just acts of violence and like, you know, terrorism and then turning themselves in and saying, yes, I did this. Please arrest me. And then it just comes down to the idea that they're like, here comes the countdown, boys and girls. Well, people just get envelopes with like the Riddler, the Riddler green, like counting down like a six, a five, the people getting different things. But I'm like, 
everybody's hiding something to a degree where they got away with something and it all draws back to this Darby Turner character. And so like, I mean, I think you're kind of losing me what's happening and how you're trying to determine the detective nonsense of this Batman book. And I'm just sitting like, come on, Riddler, do something. Yeah. And so when we talked about this and I said at times you had accused me of having a vendetta against Mariko Tamaki. And Those I always times. say, no, just the writing. And so, yeah, Nadia Shamas in here. I don't know who's doing most of this. But again, this reminds me of what happened in Wonder Woman. You ended up having where things are happening and a character, say a Maxwell Lord there or here a Riddler, where you're setting up a character that has known powers, known MOs, things like that, and making it seem like they're involved in the sort of way that we get annoyed. Why aren't everybody looking into this, whatnot? And then you do a twist where it's not really about them. It's more about something else. And really, at the end of this, the big play here is the same exact story that we're going to talk about in Harley later today. And also the I Am Batman. This ends up being a story about a legal system that has failed the public by not getting criminals arrested. So somebody else has to step up and give their own verdict to get these people down. And it's it's weird that there's that many stories like this right now in the Bat Family books going on, but it still ends up being Bruce Wayne can't figure out, Batman can't figure out a damn thing on his own. You even have him so behind the eight ball in this, but then when you go off and Deb Donovan has almost cracked the case on her, on her own. Thank by God just for looking Deb up Donovan, old scraps of newspaper. And then so Mariko Tamaki's been playing this idea of a Bruce Wayne without money, but is it a Bruce Wayne without a brain cell? Because he can't figure out anything. Well, it's and then not it even the idea. Off. We have a Gotham City full of Bat family members where we know that we have, you know, this weird citizen freaking criminals going on. I hate the idea of citizen criminals. Like, I think all like criminals are citizens, but it's a weird thing. But the idea, like, you can have Batman work on that if he wants to, but please call up the rest of the Bat family to track down Riddler because he's up to no good, obviously. And if he's not up to no good, he does not belong to be on the streets or hitting the airwaves. Yeah. Again, that's the thing. Even if you think that the Riddler, nobody's looked into anything. And once you have the Riddler get on Rebel Radio Riddler, like, hey, everybody, when's a criminal, not a criminal? When's a citizen? Not? And people start committing crimes that they have no record or whatever. You have to at least look into that. But because they didn't, it's almost like that idea of subtraction, addition, whatever. It, Mariko Tamaki doesn't even let that be a clue. It's just completely avoided. Batman doesn't even bat an eye of saying maybe he's their mind control, the airwaves. So it's not, it seems. It's more of this crazy, I don't know, Riddler doing something where he thinks that people need to be held accountable for their things. It doesn't feel right for the Riddler. He needs to be either. held accountable for that mustache. Yeah, really. He's got to be held accountable for a lot of things, including just having a random schedule of when he records his podcast, video blog. I don't even know what it is, television show, because at points he's doing it at 4 a.m., but also at 12 midnight, but also then in the morning while people are eating breakfast. I don't get the schedule. Well, you can stream it anytime you want. Yeah, no, but the thing is, it seems like people are watching it live at points the way that it plays out. But you end up having Bruce on a dinner date then with Carolyn Donovan. And again, daughter doesn't set up characters well enough for us to ever get any idea if these people are on the up and up, what they're doing, whatever. They just kind of arrive and then they spout out stuff. This dialogue 
that she ends up saying to Bruce at one point they are going back and I think they're having a contest of who could be the most pretentious pricks out there as they go. You know, the light of the, the justice system doesn't shine well here. And then Bruce jumps in in a way that doesn't seem like it's him. But it always Bruce. He's actually this is Mariko Tamaki thinking that Batman's on the case. He takes her to dinner and says, hey. Any of these people that ended up being arrested or whatever doing these, did they have any other times where they showed up in court? Because I don't know. And she goes, I don't want to discuss. What is this for Batman and stuff like that? Is this a legitimate date for Bruce Wayne who might care about Carolyn Donovan in some regard, but also wants to be you know, getting on the case as Batman? Because everything he's asking Carolyn about what she does as a judge and who comes in. Hey, Oracle, go look up this yeah. list for me. <laughs> Oracle is done. And don't give me this idea of the stuff that Mariko Tamaki had them doing during that like, hour is it deal. business and pleasure? Yeah, I don't know. Because afterwards, Bruce looks like he is the most pissed off guy I've ever seen in my life. Well, he's, he's an incel. I just love that where he says, hey, uh, did anybody have like parking tickets? Or this is stuff Oracle could legally look up. I mean, this isn't even the stuff that he ends up having them do anyway, where they're changing legal documents and things like that, but yet he can't do it. And it's Tamaki seems to not be that interested in Batman. Doesn't seem now more interested in a Bruce Wayne than even a Batman, but also just never Batman doing anything that seems right or seems like he is on the case. It's just Oh, we're going to go to this dinner. And like I said, when you have Carol, I was starry eyed once and thought of changing Gotham. It's funny. Now every person looks at the rot. But I'm like, then stop your job, ladies. Just stop it. You're, you're a judge. And then even then, when you have this play where finally Oracle gets on the case and says, oh, I just looked it up. We figured out that this Ashen, the guy who ended up having that bomb, his brothers, the DA always on her case. It just everything just falls into place in a weird way. That Batman could never figure out himself. But Deb but Donovan, I, she's on the freaking case through and through she this has entire it all, way. She right? has a freaking board, a, a cork board with freaking, you know, tacks in there, yawn and going different places. She has files on everybody involved. She wants to get down to this whole thing and to the point where they are actually coming for her while she's at her freaking, you know, the Gotham Gazette in the middle of the night trying to suss out who the perpetrator is behind the citizen Kelly criminals. Batman, Bruce Wayne has to go to a dinner and beg. Can you tell me if these people were in your court or anything of her? He never seems to – Deb Donovan's pulled out all the stats. Well, this person who did that, the reason they're doing – they actually were arrested at one point but got off for that, got off for that. This is all in the public knowledge. It's not like Deb Donovan is doing really any de- – she's just pulling up the microfiche from the newspaper. Why couldn't Batman do that? He's never the one that solves things in this, though I do like when he leaves the date. And he ends up, what's the verdict, judge? I like, what a corny ass. And she's like, I don't know. You have a bad taste in wine, but you're a gentleman. He looks at her like he's going to kill her, starts running through the park. And then you get the Riddler, which I love when he just comes flying like on the air, just screaming like he's crazy. Eddie. It's the witching hour, everyone. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so that, that's the thing that gets me here. Now, like you said. You could be streaming it, but it's weird because it seems like while Bruce is going through the the deal, he's recording maybe, but then he's in the cave looking at things. Deb Donovan calls and has an SOS. Oh, my God. I was working late at the paper. Somebody broke in. I don't want to call the police because I don't want them to know that I'm working on this, this, this you know case for the paper. And I'm scared. So she calls in. Batman, who gets there, and I'd love to think, and I know you're going to save the timing because of the streaming, and it's true, but I want to think that she called at the witching hour, and it took him till 4 a.m. 
to get his ass over there. She's been hiding in a closet. But he gets there, and nothing plays out well for me. He gets there. She comes out. She's going to hit him with a you know an award. Looks like a Peabody. I don't know. Going to hit him. And he's like, whoa, whoa. And she's like, oh, Batman, man, somebody's in here. I don't know what's going on. I called you because I was scared. They're after me. Batman says, I'll escort you to the door. And she goes, I don't need you to escort me. Why did you call him then? You called because you were scared. You were hiding in a closet. She called Batwoman. Batwoman called Oracle. He Oracle says, called I will Batman. walk you to that door. And she goes, why do I need an escort from you? Um, you called him. That's why you called him. And she says, oh, somebody broke. I didn't get the idea until afterwards that what she's saying is somebody did break in and went through her stuff. I thought she just heard somebody and then hidden called. But somebody obviously came in. And then we just that. heard somebody. But when Batman chased that person out, this person leapt out a freaking skyscraper window. <laughs> with no, yeah. Like Damien Wayne did out of that jet in this exactly. issue of Robin this week. And I'm like. Whatever, and it's such it's such a weird idea because the only person I can see that being is Talia Al Ghul, and I have no idea why she's involved in this book at all. Because even when you break down the whole like the uh, the background and everything that's going on here, where Oracle and Batman are talking about it, I don't have a connection between the perpetrators themselves. Well, that's why I'm here to help. I'm like, yeah, why'd you go on that date with Carol? But I have another connection. The Donovans. Deb Donovan took out a massive loan from a loan from Gotham Bank during her most recent divorce. I'm like, how many divorces do you have? But the I know. same branch. When you have to say read. That's trouble. I'm telling you, it sounds like somebody in my family. Maybe laugh. Divorced the same branch John Harper guest, and like uh, Martin Ashen is the DA's brother, the same DA who almost always assigned to Carolyn, and Carolyn almost always rules in Ashen's favor. It isn't enough. Why the bombing? Why these people? And why the Dottomans? And then you have an alert on the computer. Match found Darby Turner. And the thing is, like the idea that you picked up a piece of hair from the Gotham Gazette from this person. And then for some reason, we have a match found on this after trying to suss out who is involved, why they're involved, and why the Donovans are all involved. And somehow this leads us to going to Talia Al Ghul, who's just hanging That's out in Gotham for understand. no goddamn reason, and Batman going, where's Darby Turner? I'm like, why don't you know why? <laughs> I don't know. Where's I don't, Darby Turner? I, that's the problem. I'm sitting there. I'm like, wait a second. Darby Turner? And what's this? So like you said, this person jumped out of a skyscraper, basically. So if this was... The idea of the match then was Talia, even though Talia being in town makes no sense of what we're doing and everything going yeah. on. But and it's out of shadow no, I mean, Legitimately, you can't have a mystery with one more issue left after this. This is the penultimate of the story Thankfully. where you end up throwing things up. Again, this is a mystery where you just throw out names. Talia. Darby Turner in a way that is never set up. It doesn't progress, but at least if you would have gotten that hair and somehow it was Talia, and then he ends up, oh my God, like, what would this be? Oh, she's in town. And then from her get Darby Turner information somehow. That would make more sense, but not – where do you get this Darby Turner Talia? Batman goes to Talia Al Ghul. Talia, where's Darby Allen? I haven't seen uh, – Darby Turner. Darby Allen, I think, is a wrestler. But no, I haven't seen Darby in a while, as you know. I've been out of town, and when I got back – and I'm like, back? What, what, is this what do you live in Gotham? But her family was ruined. I hear she's been running a small-time money laundering scheme for some rough gentlemen downtown. <laughs> you know Darby. But I assume this isn't yeah. just about the heiress gossip now. I'm like – I don't know what's happening in this See, book, and I feel I, like a fucking idiot. <laughs> I'm telling you. I told you at the beginning of this week, and I know you always laugh when I get a hold of you. And uh, not all the time, but sometimes I'll just say, I'm like, 
this book is a wreck. I don't understand what's going on. And I know you usually like laugh it off. I'm going to see what's going it's on. It's not monosyllabic. It bothers you. Maybe you can crack the code or whatever. I'm right, though, right? This book is a wreck. You go from point A to point H and then back to B, then over to Z with nothing setting it up. And I just want Batman to punch Riddler in the face. Fine, yeah, Riddler. That's why I did the song for you. The the idea where the Riddler it was like, was that the ruse just to get the covers to get people to buy this because because nothing sells comics like hipster? I Riddler? know, like, but I guess, but really, what do you rather? Would you sit there and go, "Oh my God, did you see that cover with Darby Turner on it? I need to get that." Darby Turner. Like, am I missing something? Is that a classic freaking, like, you know, DC? <laughs> I could not find anything. I looked, and then when you get this, I think Mariko Tamaki and maybe Nadia Shamas as well, I think they're fucking with us. The idea, you know, Dar- you know that Darby Turner. No, no, I don't. And now I don't that I'm know back home all. in Gotham City, you know, because I'm Talia <laughs> Al Ghul. Yeah, Talia Al Ghul, you know, of the Gotham and Al my, Ghuls. And my best friend, the former heiress, Darby Turner. Th- then I thought that there was a clue because you, you go into her apartment that Batman goes off. And then I, I thought that that was one of those envelopes. But it looks like it's just like a tablet where she was watching the Rebel Radio Riddler nonsense. So she ends up where, oh, uh, you know, I can look. How's our boy doing? And then all that nonsense. And then she says, you know, the Riddler might be right. I'm, what is he right about? He's just spouting off nonsense at midnight. When is a murderer not a murderer? <laughs> If justice is blind, who tied the blindfold and who has their finger on the scales? What do you mean he's right? We'll be back in five after a word from our sponsor. <laughs> hey, everybody. Me undies. Stamps.com. It's nonsense stuff. So what is he? He's not even. Are those riddles? Those are more cryptic notes or something or hints. I don't even know. At the one point, he's like, hey, everybody, it's witching hour. Nothing's out like the vermin and the bats. You know what I'm saying, people? All right. Here's the Friday morning fart song. But yeah, he's just doing this. Why are anybody watching this radio show or video deal? It's it's, it's nonsense. I'd watch it. Uh, you might. I, I don't know. I think you'd get into it a little, but he's not really doing anything new. He's got to up the ante here. But yeah, he's like, I got to find Darby Turner. Well, you know her. And then just to point the idea of, well, she lost her money. So did you, chump. So you can figure that out. And I'm like, Darby Turner? Who is Darby Turner? Even then where you have Deb Donovan gets a lead. Oh, my God. Somebody called and said that they know something about it. When you end up having this woman show up, Miss Smith, is it supposed to be that we're like, oh, my God, that's Darby Turner. And she shaved her head. I don't know. Did, did she shave her head? Is that how she usually looks? I well, don't know. here's the thing that that hair was real long that he ended up grabbing. And now she has a shaved head. I don't know. I had the idea, too, with like the idea that that hair sample at first where like I have to assume that that was the thing that they picked up the freaking, you know, lead to Darby Turner with a DNA sample. But when that person jumped out that window, though, it looks like Talia Al Ghul. And I'm like, did Talia Al Ghul leave this behind? I and somehow it's, we figured out it was Darby Turner. And then we figured out this. I don't know. But she could have just told Batman. But why I don't shave know. your head out of nowhere? But then. Out of no, what? Why do anything out of nowhere? Because the whole book's out of nowhere. You're out of nowhere, Eric. You end up where suddenly the Starby Turner with the shaved head goes to Deb Donovan and says, "Hey, I got some information. Why don't we go to the roof where I'm going to now put a gun to your head? I'm going to take you down. You better report on all them judges and all them courts who aren't good." Okay. Like, what is going on? What happened in this book? I wanted the Riddler being mind-controlling people with a neat little podcast. And now we're doing this nonsense that seems to almost seem like 
Is it social justice stuff? Because it's so convoluted, I can't even say what it is. The idea of a corrupt, uh, you know, court system and why people get away. But who knows what and why does it matter? Darby lost her money. And the, so she's going to end up taking down Deb Donovan. She's going to shoot her if she doesn't report this. Deb Donovan, then I love her thing. It's like, that is not practical. <laughs> like, no, you have a gun really in your isn't. head. It's not practical. That's fantasy. It's impossible. Like, well, so is this. I'm going to shoot you. Batman shows up, knocks the gun out of her hand. When then you end up having this guy Perry show up. Where are these people coming from? I'm trying to. I'm trying to go back now because I'm like, was this guy Perry? Was it somebody that was <laughs> sitting there on top of like Deb Donovan's desk? But no, that's John Harper. And yeah, I'm that's like, the guy who killed himself. That's the guy who committed suicide yeah. rather than end up. So it looks like she says green. So Perry Green. Harry Green shows up at the, from the wings. Oh, I, no, I no. I imagine he's one of them rough gentlemen from downtown <laughs> that freaking Darby Turner's been messing with. <laughs> he seems like I a hear nice she's been guy. running a small-time money laundering scheme for some rough gentlemen downtown, you know, like Perry. <laughs> Even that gets, like, shoved aside. Like, so Perry shows up. You know, Perry. Oh, my God. I'm, what a great guy. He go, gets in front. No, Batman. Don't hurt her. Please spare us. We need help. Please. He says, I'll help you. And you end up Darby Turner says, no, no, no. We have to do what he says. But the thing is, it's a weird situation, too, because you think that these people are being blackmailed to do stuff against their will because it's something that's going to be brought up from their past and stuff like that. But even, you know, Darby Turner here talks about, look, it doesn't matter if I do this or not, because the thing, the the envelopes just keep on coming. It's never going to stop. So I might as well just end it right now. She jumps off a building. So then Batman jumps off and grabs her, does a little flippity flop so she doesn't die. But and somehow Perry gets down there at the speed of light. I don't know how he does I, that. I don't this, even know. This ends up just reminding me of that Nightwing arc that we had after the initial, like, you know, Nightwing rebirth arc, who was Tim after Tim Seeley's run, where we had that Sam Humphreys arc, the judge, you the know, judge. the idea where he had those magic, like, you know, poker chips and he would get people to do stuff that they didn't normally want to do or would do. Like, honestly, like Deb Donovan doing stuff here, it's almost like, like, which should be Deb Donovan, but it's almost like Swoboda, the cop in that who had the sniper rifle was going to kill somebody because of her daughter being threatened and almost feels along those lines but just even more asinine because at least they had some weird supernatural elements where the judge and that was fucking transformed by the sea. This doesn't seem like a supernatural mind control thing anymore. It just seems no, like straight envelopes. up blackmail, but it should be. And that's the thing. Me and you say me and you are the couple. And, you know, all of a sudden I'm like, no, no. Like and you're world. like, you're like Perry. I'm like, I'm Jim. Jeez, you keep yelling Perry. And I get no, in I, I'm talking about sword fighting. You didn't move. No, I thought you meant Luke Perry. You end up where RIP. You end up where. I get in front and I say, Batman, please don't hurt Eric, please. And you go, come on, Jim, we have to st- stop. It's never going to end. I'm like, well, what do you mean? We, we, we're getting envelopes. They're going down in order. We just got five. Like we got six the other day. We just got to work this out here. I have to imagine there's also seven that we didn't really t- t- take notice <laughs> to because the story itself it started, is yeah. actually called the seven. Yeah, the seven. So you have that. But yeah, in, indeed, though. The idea of keep going, but never set up like that's the problem, I think, with Mariko Tamaki and all these things, especially this Batman book. Nothing is ever or even the the Wonder Woman as well. Nothing set up so that you have a basis of Darby Turner or Perry or how many people, because when I saw the seven, then like it only just dawned on me when you just said it now. I, it's nothing was set up. I thought this was Rebel Riddler Radio. I thought Count there was something like hits. So the seven, but then you're like, well, what are the others? We we didn't even know. You have to sit there and really pay attention of, okay, that picture on the desk wasn't Perry. That was the guy who killed him. 
nothing plays out. And again, what happened was Deb Donovan found out that these people, the the girl, the social media girl, but also this guy who ended up killing himself, he ended up having some bad things happen in his past. He killed a five-year-old in a hit and run. Uh, very much like I am Batman. Not exactly, but even but in I am Batman. Because he was rich, he was able to get off on the freaking, you know, instead of going to jail. Like I am Batman. And in I am Batman, we're dealing with an artiste who wants to take down people who did not end up paying for their crimes. It's, Man Ray? It's very similar Man Ray. Then we have that with the <laughs> verdict with Harley at the end of this pie. I mean, everything seems to this be this one This almost feels like a weird story. situation like the Saul or like the movie Saul or like seven. I mean like Saul franchise, but like uh, we're seven in the idea where then like everybody's playing like the – I say um, the villain is playing like a game of chess because, you know, you're going to have Darby Turner go out here and try to kill Deb Donovan. But then you're going to have Perry come out there. And just in case like the idea that we had uh, Carolyn Donovan had a note on – an envelope on her door with number six on it. Mm-hmm. It's like I guess her orders was just in case De- – <laughs> Just Darby Turner Perry. doesn't kill your mother and Perry shows up and tries to tell Batman what's going on. I need you to be here at the Gotham Gazette at this time. So if Perry runs his goddamn mouth, you shoot him, which she does by the That's end of what this. She does at the end. Now she's being blackmailed. It seems she's doing this. But in the end, when you talk about a saw or something, and even maybe the interesting deal would have been. Like not in the ideal way. Most people think like in the traps and stuff like that, but where you have like, you know, like the character Zep from the first one who you thought was the bad guy for the majority of the film, but it turns out he's being played by Jigsaw as well and stuff like that. So it's all these twists and turns about who you think the villain. Exactly. Yeah. And so by the end of this, and we have one more issue. uh, When I ask you this, you know, seriously, if what is playing off here, if the Riddler is involved, like, does that seem anything the Riddler would ever be involved with? That's what gets me here. Is Man, I he just got off the meth. I don't know understand. what he's up to anymore. Like, if all of a sudden the Riddler just goes, yep, I just wanted people to pay for their crimes. Like, oh, man, classic Riddler. The riddle was, what the fuck is this book doing? Well, even Talia says in this, I don't even think it's what he cares about. I think, he, like Talia says, he just wants to play. He's screwing with Batman. He wants to play a game. He's Jigsaw. Now, that's why maybe the play could have been if you did more. Imagine and now you if got Jigsaw me thinking, had a radio station. Well, you got me thinking more about the assault deal. And maybe you have a deal where Batman just wakes up in this, you know, escape room type thing with all these other people. And they have to figure out why they're all there. What did Batman do? Whatever. Batman, though, Soul is running. Too. Batman's running behind schedule here. He's always behind the eight ball, as I say. He never knows the clues. He never figures himself anything out and barely needs to be in these issues. He saves Darby because he jumps off the deal. But I heard she's than, running for some rough gentleman downtown. Other than that, he went out on a dinner. He ended up talking, you know, like a pretentious prick with, with Carolyn about yeah, the, the first date. You always got to do that. Right? You have that. So what did he do? Didn't do much there. Bruce Wayne has to wear more than one mask. Now, he goes back then, and you get Deb Donovan. She figures out most of the stuff. Well, Oracle figures out a couple other things. He goes to Talia, finds Sorry out nothing, the and then ends up at the end going. He did nothing in this book except pretty much run behind everybody and then make sure that Darby Turner, you Darby know, Turner. classic Darby Turner, just like Darby Turner would do, jumping off that building and then stands there while I, I don't know how, but Carolyn sneaks up and shoots, probably dead or maybe at least real. I swear it's going to be Perry. some weird ass shit. That like now that we see like, the what Darby is Batman Turner, doing? Is, he's facing where she comes from. 
And now doesn't we, see we her found coming? out that Darby Turner is bald. There's got to be some kind of thing because there's no reason in my mind for her to shave her head. He's like, there's a hair. She's a brunette. Know. Let's do this. It turned up as Darby Turner. I'm going to go talk to Talia Al Ghul, who's also, you know, a brunette and has long hair. And that looked like I don't know what's happening. You're doing the play of you have Mariko Tamaki is actually playing a meta because Batman doesn't like to tell and, and expose like his plans to his teammates. And we're the teammates, right? He's not going to tell. Makes no sense. I swear. At this point, down, I he's think it's just an with, art mistake. With crime fighting to the point where he did all his crime fighting gear, his computer, his lab, and stuff like that. It's like a video game where he starts randomizing things. So whatever shows up, be. he has to work for a different way to figure out that what the real truth cool. is. It, what you're saying is, it's almost like when me and you could do a podcast where I start the story and then I send it, you pick it up. We just go wherever the hell we go. The, the problem is, is I think that Mariko Tamaki really didn't understand from the beginning that a Bruce Wayne without money, without tech, can still be capable. I think that she is stuck on this weird idea that he can't get anything done because she's the only one who stresses the money type deal, and then you have this, but the, it's always shade at him, like, oh, man, I'm poor again. Oh, geez, you have to tell you, you know, you poor ass, you'll know where Darby Turner is, in right? in neighborhood in Gotham, but still the poor guy. Yeah, you I know. know. <laughs> it, it, but yet he never can do anything right. Do you know how you know he's poor? We don't go to the Batcave. We go to the That's garage. Right. Batman calls it a car oh, hole because he's poor. Garage. poor. Ooh, la, la. But yeah, you end that story with basically, you know, out of the shadows, Carolyn Donovan comes and shoots, shoots the, the Darby, not Darby, Perry. Perry. I can't even remember. Perry in the back. He goes down. Oh, man, who's going to do the laundry now, Eric? They're both in trouble. Uh, but then we go off to this Gotham Girl backup, which, again, me and you like Gotham Girl. I like the yeah. concept that we're getting her back at least. I don't maybe like you Gotham can, Girl. Well, I, really, I can say really maybe don't. you can do something for her and get her at a place like that maybe Gotham we can Girl. go. Well, this Sinner Grace story is nonsense. doesn't even make sense in my mind for everything going on, especially I don't even know how you end up having a kid in high school that has uh, OCD who's actually in a mental hospital with somebody who is a ultra powerful super villain well you don't live in a dc universe either well that's true but that arkham tower i know they were pushing it well it's for everybody you don't have the same setup of a a, a gotham girl and just a kid with ocd it seems so ridiculous but even then nothing plays out well in this it's by sin grace art by david lapham trish mulville on colors and rob lay on Letter C, you end up having this where she is trying to figure out who's doing this Gotham Girl website that nobody cares about. Her, he, showed, he thought it was her former friend who she found with the you know his laptop open to the Gotham Girl freaking website that's been exposing people gossip style on the internet. But when she found him, he was dead and it made it look like a suicide. But she doesn't believe it is a suicide. Now she's got to take his computer, even like you know as the cops are investigating, and try to figure out what's going on and get to the bottom of this because she does want her good name slandered while she also tries not to. Well, not it's not not to, but tries to more acclimate herself to the society and like you know get past all the problems that she previously had that did wind her up in Arkham for a while. Well, and Cinna Grace adds some things in here that are weird in my mind. One of the things that it really spells out that Batman's keeping an eye on her. That also again shows that Batman's doing shit. I mean, he is not really taking care of her if he is watching. But she ends up just little things where she goes and finds this kid, and then says, "Okay, I'm going to call nine one one. I can't be here as Gotham girl." I got to be Claire and ends up getting out of her costume. But then yeah. after talking, the police just flies off in the middle of the street with the stuff, stole the, the computer 
and then ends up where she gets attacked by a black ops team. Now, this is the worst part of this whole goddamn thing, because it's silly as hell that, you know, Gotham Girl is just hanging out at the former Wayne Manor that's all just disheveled as hell now, talking talking to a freaking broken down gargoyle as she's trying to get to the bottom of this. And the person who was most recently, like, you know, outed on Gossip Girl, Gossip Girl website, yeah. the most recent person has now sent a black ops team to shut this shit down because they're not going to have, like, their name slandered like this. But the thing is, you just have a bunch of mercs come in and try to attack Gotham Girl, but ultimately like, look, I'm not doing this. I would have shut it down too. Does anybody know how any, does anybody have any coding skills? And then you get to the next scenes where everybody's just sitting down with pizza trying to figure out how to I mean, hack how into this, this computer go? and change the code where everyone's where like, was this it's almost like a, a sleepover. Yeah. She ends up almost heat visioning their ass dead. And then they're like, and she says, either you can help me or you're going to be dead. And it's pizza party. A and slice now or two it's later. jokes. Okay, this code should bypass the malware bomb Andre set up in case someone tries to hack the computer. That worked. How are the black ops people so good with tech? How does fountain cola always taste better than bottle or can? <laughs> and I'm like, more carbonation, stupid. Yeah, really, that's what it is. And why is this happening? Then I love where one of the tech guys, one of the guys goes, hey, I saw this once and clicks on a folder. I'm like, oh, really? You're going to open that folder? Oh, my God. That's all of the towers deal where she gets this information. Is this the setup? Is this the deal? But she goes then to the tower and goes in and grabs Chase and is going to end up taking her down saying, you killed somebody, you did this. I would think that this is more of a setup or whatnot, but... I don't think so. I don't think Dr. Chase Meridian would become this murdering person who's also setting this up. Craziest thing, though, out of nowhere, you bring her in the continuity, and then you make it so that she is like a Hugo Strange character out of nowhere. You know, Batman was the one who said that she was on the up and up, so it might be the case, but there you go. Like, in this, you have... Now, you have Gotham Girl... She is unhinged. She even says at one point, hey, I'll get back to going to the the meetings. So you have this. We have one more part left. And now Gotham Girl is broken into Arkham Tower, grabbed Chase Meridian and smashed her out a window. This is not really what I was looking for to get a redemption or at least something where you can set Gotham Girl up to have her somewhere down the line to use her for this is just that Cinder Grace came on here and said okay mental illness trauma, we're just going to go with this and that's the problem at the end I don't see Cinder Grace saying okay this girl cannot be you know around we're going to do this it'll be at the end you're going to get your help and that's all the way that Claire's acting here the way she had been acting all throughout Tom King's run because he decided to ruin the character I just don't know how you see you have a Batman world's greatest detective one of the smartest people in the DCU says you know what you have a lot of problems and you know you are a danger to society and a lot of people around you if you could snap at any moment here's a special rock that'll give you Superman powers forever have fun kiddo yeah it was like Platinum K right here you go Superman gave this to me to have powers forever. But I think an unhinged person should have it instead of me. Because remember, she ended up losing her powers. And here, you take this, you get, and we said, even when they did it, it was wonky. But then from there, oh, by the way, I just gave you the ultimate power set again, but I'm going to need you to go off to you know, Arkham Tower and okay, you're out now. And it, they, t- he's been what watching her, but what is he watching? Nothing makes sense. Well, who Grace, the I said, Cine Grace, and also I hate that is that a mask she's wearing or those giant big, you know, glasses to make her look, look like an they owl? Could, they could I be a it. mask. It could be a magic marker drawn giant <laughs> circles over your eyes. Like I don't know. It? I don't know. But like I said, Cinegrace is, is really trying to center on the trauma uh, and, and the mental illness deal, but not doing enough of that. 
And then also throwing in this Gossip Girl website that makes no sense. It, it really is. Not, it's terrible. And then at the end, making it look like she's way too dangerous to be out and about. And I, that's, I really thought that this could be something where if you're going to deal with the trauma, deal with the trauma. Deal with something. Maybe she goes to Batman and Look, says, I'm, "Listen, you I'm gave me my person. powers back. Just suck you know. into the Phantom Zone. I'm done with her. She's a menace yeah, to society. I I, I'm, she's going well, to hurt anybody especially. around her. Just get rid of her." I mean, if if you went where she Batman gave me that, oh my, that's great responsibility. Maybe I can help. Maybe you could do this thing. But having her come out of nowhere again, it, it doesn't really push anything forward. And it just looks like Cinegrace is, is centering on some wacky things. And I, I think that Cinegrace is pretty much a hack. So that's just me. But this story stinks. The progression is off. No, that's just me saying oh. I've read a bunch of stuff by him and I think he sucks. So, But some people like him. Some people don't. I know that you're a big fan of his work. You probably haven't read, read much before of this. You haven't read Rockstar and Softboy? You haven't read that? That's new. That's actually, Soft people Boy. like that. Yeah, people like that book. That's what my last girlfriend kept calling I me. It wasn't it a nice name. I think it is an image deal. I don't know that it's nice for that either, but he did Iceman. He also did some other X-Men stuff at Marvel. Well, if it but wasn't every- DC, I'm sure I didn't read it. Yeah, so with that, what would you give this whole book? I think the art in both our main story and our Gotham Girl backup is great, and I love the idea of a possible... And again, I, I say I love the idea. I want to love the idea. I like the idea, at least, of a Rebel Radio Riddler. Just don't get Rebel enough of it. Radio Riddler. And what we do get confused is the hell out of me. I don't know how we get from point A to point B. Gotham Girl is a goddamn reckless monster who needs to be locked away for the rest of her life because she will kill people. She has in the past. She may do it again. And now that she has the powers of a god permanently, it's just crazy to me in my mind that she should still be out and about in Gotham. Give this a 5.5 out of 10. I'm giving it a 3.5. I hated it. I think that Mariko Tamaki should just leave DC and go and do her indie books. I don't think that she really quite gets what a superhero book is all about. I don't think that she realizes or wants to do anything with Batman, ending up where he can figure nothing out. Everybody else does the legwork, and then he still ends up messing up. And this Gotham Girl didn't need to be happening, and it adds a dollar to the thing, and it's nonsense. And it's not, in my mind, with one issue left that's not doing anything to better or help out that character that was ending up as a villain in Tom King's run. And I was hoping that maybe we could get her a little bit in the fold. The Bat family's a little too crowded anyway, but I didn't mind if you just have this What are you backup. talking about? At one point, she has to kill Batman and Duke and her oh, yeah. to get married. Yeah. No, no, that's Dr. Phosphorus now. That, that changed there. But even then, why? where's Duke? That would be nice to have him just show up. And so now you get me in matter. And now I'm getting mad because of those weird situations. Like, I don't know if things have changed now, like who he's with, but what, like, it seemed like Cassie and him were getting kind of close, right? Yeah. And then you have a Batgirl versus a Gotham girl for the love of Duke Thomas. That'd be crazy. Like, you could have that. I, but I just kind of thought the okay, most dangerous girl in the world takes on a god. Who's the yeah. winner? Take place who your is bets. the winner? Uh, when this was announced, oh, a Gotham girl story. I, I always like Gotham girl a little more than you anyway. But when you have it, I just thought you have a character that, you know, we kind of got away from, ended up really problems at the end of Tom King's deal, being part of that whole Bane theme deal and going against Batman and stuff. City but Bane? I thought that this might have been, remember, she took down freaking Captain Adam for Should crying out loud. I mean, you, you can't just let her flying around. Let him look like a jerk. I mean, just think of that. Yeah, at Phantom Zone, you might be right. But I just thought that this would have been best served of, okay, here's the character reintroducing the people say, She's trying to work on some things. She's okay, whatever. And then, boom, maybe we don't see her again, but at least you leave with a good taste in your mouth about gonna it. We're going to do I, a crazy thing where I'm going to retcon all of this. We're going to bring Captain Adam back in. We're going to go to the Nevada desert or something like that. I'm going to set off an it's atomic just a throw bomb. Down. 
No, I'm going to set off an atomic bomb and Captain Adam, he's going to run out there. He's going to absorb all that energy because whenever he does that, he gets leapt throughout time. I'm going to try to hope that he gets leapt into the past where he can stop this from ever happening. And Claire never gets her powers in Africa with her brother Hank and the freaking those duo can go and live their lives without ever being superheroes. <laughs> you, you say this stuff, nothing ever really played out well with this character. And now you get this so silly of a website. Gossip Girl website. Oh, my goodness. It's Me and Cap can make it happen. A, a, a man who seems to have been doxxed by this website and seems to have been sends a black ops team that immediately then starts to have a pizza party with the villain for them, at least the villain, and just end up going through computers. And stuff. <laughs> it's nonsense. 3.5. What's next there? Action Comics number 1043, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, with art by Ricardo Federici, Will Conrad, Lee Lowridge, and Dave Sharp. And in this issue, we, I think at this point, Philip Kennedy Johnson, while he has been telling an ex- excellent story about War World and trying to elevate Mongo into a threat again like he once was, I think he realized around this point in time in his storytelling process that he has left a lot of things on the table that he started with that he has never gotten back to and he decided to throw all of those things in this issue, even though it can't be paced well at all, and it just becomes a bit of an overwhelming issue with what's, it what it wants to tell. It is. And and again, you know what gets me and, and how I get tired reading Read some it. things and whatnot. Yeah. No, it's just the oh. over-narration and really what happens. And I think also, not only what you said, but you may have a strict schedule now. How many issues you have left before we get to the Dark Crisis? Because yeah. remember, at one point, the books have to catch up. The big books, the Superman has Sometimes to catch they got up a at muster, the point. But this one has to catch up. Yeah, it does. And so you you probably are told, okay, by this issue, that's when we see Superman go off to join the Justice League to then go off and die. So I think that he's kind of pushing some things that may actually make him, like you say, say, oh, crap. I better get to it. I better get some of this. I have left so many things on the table. Or it, it's like an extra issue. Okay, well... I can do more. I wasn't going to go fully into this. Whatever the case may be, it all hits you in this issue. And in my mind, again, I like comics that are fun. And I'm really liking action comics. And Philip Kennedy Johnson's War World story is one, uh, if not the best story at DC right now. Maybe a lot of people love the New World's Finest, the Mark Wade book. Oh, but this is definitely one of the top books that DC's putting out. I mean, it is. This one took a bit of a dip for me, though, with everything that it wanted to tell in this one issue of Action Comics. Because even though we don't have a Martian Manhunter backup, we're just kind of continuing our story here with just the background on the Mongols and the War Zunes and what happened with that, to the point where we're just kind of reinventing the character even in the backups as we're reinventing everything in the main story. But we have so much to cover here because in this whole thing on War World with Glad or Superman and Midnight are getting his resistance so they can go and find Apollo and stuff like that. When you deal with it, like you realize when you had Superman and the Authority show up here and get their monkey asses whooped, we haven't seen Enchantress or Manchester Black this entire time. So we have to fit both of those in here. We have to get Manchester Black freed. We have to show the lieutenants of Mongo, explain who they are a little bit, show the technology that was built out of them for some reason, and then also talk about the back history lore of a planet whose witch made a deal with Mongo, who is now the, the master of Enchantress and sees her as a plaything in another part of the world. I'm like, the fuck you say? What are you doing right now? That is an arc. With this, yeah. And with this, Philip Kennedy Johnson, he gets that authority book thrown at him in this. Yeah. And when you go with this idea of all of a sudden it's the older looking Superman doesn't have, but like all that, but this team, he was just recently this was week on Word, He was just in Word Balloon. He was on the yeah. podcast. It was live streaming. I was watching it while I was live streaming, asking questions, everybody ignoring me. But then uh, he said, 
he was told, and again, you know, you have Grant Morrison doing the authority book. That had nothing to do. It was already done. So they're kind of fudging it in. And Philip Kenny Johnson, while I'm watching what I got from it, he said, holy crap, there's a lot of characters on this authority team that I really wasn't planning on dealing with. I wanted to do this. And I think that that threw him off a bit because of characters like Enchantress and even Manchester Black and things like that going on, that he did have to expand some things. And I think he just said, I'm going to get to my story. I'll get to them later. But when you well, even hit, White Ray and Omac, like we know nothing about these tangent versions of these characters at all. Just like Light Ray's dead. Omac turned her back on her team because she doesn't owe them anything, just cares about Light Ray. And if teacher says that it can bring her back to life, why not freaking, you know, turn traitor here? But it doesn't matter because you don't know the character. It's just named Omac. Yeah. And so when you have that, where I have the problem is you're, you're really at points in this, especially in the back half of it, that backup, you're getting a history of some things that, you know, they're not real. I hate to tell you this, but it's not told in a way. It feels like as bored as I am where I could go and read real history books, which I don't. It's just not my thing. So when you get this history of War World and you have this stuff going on, I don't know how much that's getting me into the story. That seems like it's just backup information. Well, I care more about the war, especially now that, you know, Phil Kenny Johnson needs to tie in the war zone idea to the Mongol race and like, you know, whatever, you know, the Mongol race is. Mongol is just a character whose whose kids gets kept taking over, even Mongal and stuff like that. But now that we've tied into the war zones, we have to show why the Mongol is who he is throughout the ages with this alien race coming down. But even the idea of the Mongol war zone planet being the original war world that they keep on talking like, I have seen so many war worlds throughout the t- ages now. Like, you know, I've seen, you know, Brainiac's world. I saw freaking, you know, Superman, I think, destroy two war worlds during Brian, Brian Michael Bendis' run on Superman slash action comics. So the idea is like, this is the war world. I'm like, yeah, I, I guess. It does, it does. Even though the thing where I'm more interested in the Mongol now, the Mongol who's elevated now going against Superman, yeah. I really... I'm not that's that always interested just Mongol, in my, though. but I'm not really interested in how he got to be a war zone and that stuff that's just going and getting the Brian Michael Bendis. That to me is just paperwork in the background. This reminds me, you didn't read his last God book. That's a fantasy book that ended up being like this. And what it ends up happening is this feels like like you'd have a source material book for like a role playing game. Here's the war world book and you read all these things. But when you get to you that, those, so. I do. But that's the thing, though, when you go and do your adventure, Eric, with all your friends that come over, but you really like don't have friends. Things? Yeah, like you don't end up. That's the background stuff that you use to then tell the exciting story and get people into it. You're not going to read word for word from that manual again to everybody. You're going to use that to develop the story. This just felt like a. You know, a source material, a Bible for this action comics book, and it didn't feel the pacing was off. And it was just something where I'm enjoying the story so much and want to know more about Omac, Light Ray, even the stuff with Manchester Black. And I want to know that I don't really care so much about the real lore of it, but people seem to love it. So. In the previous issue, we had Teacher, who was one of like, you know, a Mongol's lieutenants who looked like that main, like, you know, Lieutenant of uh, Thanos in the Avengers movie who was fighting Doctor Strange and Spider-Man and stuff like that in the beginning of Infinity War. That's what Teacher always this looks like to me. And the idea in the previous issue was I have used Manchester Black's like, you know, powers of like, you know, pushing thoughts on the people and stuff like that. And I have accelerated them and used them as my own powers to the point where I can now manifest people's thoughts and nightmares into the physical world. And like he's just gotten all the stuff together to put this machine together to be the ultimate weapon. And Superman and his, you know, rebels uh, come in here 
take him down. We replace, we rescue Manchester Black. We take down that baby, like, you know, Mongol lieutenant named Orphan and the robot body inhabits Darling. And we just take it down to the point where it's like, okay, all that stuff we talked about with, you know, Manchester Black and the power set the teacher was going to use. All that's null and void now, so don't worry about it. I'm like, okay. Um, we have this whole thing that's getting us around, you know, war world. It's called an orphan box. Oh, yes. Um, teacher used orphan to create these orphan boxes. Do it to do how it doesn't matter. Orphan's gone, and so is darling. And I'm like, even the idea that, like, down in the center of the war world, we have the Genesis like spots that, like, the uh, the, the pieces, the Genesis pieces, the Genesis energy from the source wall itself. This is a part of the necropolis, which was the center of war world originally before it became war world. We have that down there. Mongol wants to get to these Genesis pieces, which apparently he just found out about from that hobo guy at the beginning of the story arc who tells him, hey, you know, Superman knows more about World War than you do. You should lead his ass here. And that's where we are now to the point where I don't know what Mongol does or doesn't know because like he has a Genesis piece that seems to be fueling the ships that he sends the refugees to Earth and to get Superman's attention. And now, like, you know, also Thala, who was a Thalosian on Earth that the Lois is taken care of, she has Genesis addiction and going through Genesis withdrawal at the very moment she's in her Bacta chamber. And it just seems like there's a lot more going on with Genesis than Mongol even knows or we expected to know because now he wants to freaking get it. And if you do or, like, you know, mine for this Genesis stuff, the... The world worms, I think they're called, or the earthworms, whatever they're called, that, you know, they keep the air circulating in World World. This, you know, these gigantic worm monsters that just keep, you know, the plants fresh, the air going in World World, so everything is hunky dory down there. If you mine this Genesis, it's going to kill them. But whatever we're aiming for with this Genesis, Mongol doesn't give a shit. Fuck World World. This is all thing. But all of this is coming at you, this issue. And I'm like, what just happened? Because. Even the idea when you get into the backup and the origins of the Mongol title itself and how an alien came down when blasted a giant hole, a crater into this, like, you know, the Warzone home planet. And then this one, like, Warzone is like, holy shit, there's a whole necropolis down there of crypts we never knew about. Shit, what was this guy looking for? It doesn't matter. We, we beat that guy in the head with a rock. We wear his skin and a freaking emerald on our chest. And we are the first Mongol. But eventually, after all the millennia of the Mongols becoming the next Mongol and stuff like that, War World becoming War World as we know it. That space has become the necropolis for that somehow changes in labyrinthines things for some reason, like it's the alien versus. I actually like to back up more than than the main issue, actually, because I I did think it was a clever idea to show there's the war zone connection, like you said, and also the idea that a Mongol, the, the first Mongol ends up killing what could have been. You know, a god that was running this deal and now they've turned it into war world. I don't mind that, but the he problem just seems I have like a is, guy who is like an explorer, like an archaeologist, like alien who came down like. He he sees a caveman. He considers the caveman beats him in the head with a rock, and then the caveman's like, "Man, I just killed me a god. I'm gonna wear his flesh as armor." I'm like, even the idea where they talked about so him, what like, you always you know, do, right? I, it's what I would do. But even yeah. the idea where you see this like space suit he's wearing, and then the guy, like the Mongol like narration is almost like the idea, but it, it, like took off his armor, but it turned out to be his flesh. Why did it have to be his flesh? It doesn't look like flesh. I don't know why they went with that. Here's the thing that I two things that made me laugh though. Number one. Where you end up, if you think of yourself as a spacefaring type god, where this guy is, why well, I do? Don't discount the idea caveman. that a caveman can pick up a rock don't and turn bash your, your head in. You do not have a helmet on. You're going to get destroyed. And him turning the back, awful, awful decision. Also, if you ever find yourself on Warworld, don't ever 
phrase anything as a question or anything to Byla because this asshole is going to tell you a story about everything. You could say to him, what's for dinner? It will take him three weeks before well, he Jim, ends you know up telling you. constantly on your phone is. looking at different things, quick bait articles and whatnot. Like, you can't help yourself. He yeah. is everybody's iPhone. <laughs> he is. That's all you have down there he in the world. He should be clickbait is what his name should be because you end up saying, hey. You know, you still just point, said clickbait, right? Yeah, I know. But I tried to make it sound fancy. Clickbait. You didn't change it. <laughs> clickbait. I'm spelling it. It's like almost like a click, like a group. There oh, you like go. a click. Like, yeah, 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 a click. So you end up where these kids are like, hey, tell us what's going on with this necrotic. All he has to say is like, oh, well, you know, Mongol. No, let me Sir, let me spin you a you, yarn. You are no kids. C-3PO in Return of the Jedi, <laughs> but Bylaw is. Oh, uh, Bylaw. I'm telling you, you're like, hey, uh, is it going to rain today? Let me tell you about the concept of rain, my young fellows. I'm like, no, I don't need to know that. Just give me a yes or no. You say this shit, but you and I would both read Greek mythology growing up. I think it's the greatest thing ever, and that's all this is. Well, I do love it where the point – I'm such an idiot where he's going through the deal even with Superman where he's taking Superman down. Again, can't just tell Superman, hey, get this. There's a lot of mythology in the universe. You're part of it. Everybody is. But even pointing out Wink Wink. You're almost like the Moses there. Well, that's not the thing, because when Byla Ash wants to go and talk to Superman about all the Genesis writings and how he's doing and like, you know, translating and all of these stories on the wall or in the necropolis have always been there before anything, it seems like. But it's all of these classic stories. And when we start yeah, talking about Superman's story, it's just such a weird idea because you were always going to have the Moses or some people even go with Jesus. But mostly it's the Moses Superman comparison. But the story he does. And then there's your story. And I'm like. You just told me Moses' you story. You didn't say the anything. Story. These yeah, aren't even yeah. his people. These are Philosians. Yep. And and I do, again, there's little things that are good to set up or whatever where Superman does legitimately say, hey, we're getting near the Genesis. I'm getting my powers back. Pretty cool, but I don't want to go too far because then the Philosians, we don't know how he that's going to go the, off. He doesn't want the Philosians to get their powers yeah. for some reason because yeah, he's, because a, he's afraid jealous. of them. He he ends up, he's like, I'm the only one who's allowed to have these been there this whole time. They're always talking about Genesis stuff. You know that's just going to end up where they're going to go down and get those, and we're going to have that a big deal. But, yeah, and also we got to mention like Manchester Black returns. brings up Arthur movies. I don't think anybody but me and you got that one. I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. Uh, I, didn't I didn't really get Arthur movies. didn't really quite get what else he was saying. But well, no, didn't they, that's not true. Didn't they remake Arthur like, you know, oh, 10 years did. ago? They did with what's his name? Russell, Brand. Russell Brand. Yeah, screw that. He's not talking those people. No, he's not. Nobody's talking that. He's talking deadly more. But even the idea with all of this and everything I've told you so far about the idea of everything that we have to throw into this one issue because we have done absolutely nothing, continuing their stories at all in this progression at all. So on top of all of that, if you remember back to the beginning of when Superman and the Authority went to War World and like the idea that the United Federation of Planets, they didn't going to get involved until they found out what was going on, even before that – when we found out about the Philosians on Earth and it got back to Durla's home planet somehow and the president of Durla's like, sir, I heard they're the Philosians and the, the, the president's like, don't you ever don't fucking you say, say that, that word, word to me again. Like there was a weird connection between the Durlins and the Philosians, uh, ancient history that we never knew about and it seemed like we might but never did. All of a sudden, this Durlin president is also the president of different worlds, it seems like, and he has a deal with Mongol, the idea like, look, I'm going to make sure that the United Federation of Planets does nothing against Superman's strike against you. Take them down. It's all on you. All hail Mongol. Just leave us alone. We'll, we'll leave you alone. Deal's a deal, but now Mongol's heard word of the Thanagarians going and building new freaking, you know, space jets. 
And the thing is, they're calling them like World War Jets. They're like, what? Yeah. World War <laughs> World Jets kind of think to the like breakers to a degree. Killers. So Manga's all pissed off. They're like, why would you go and make Not these trying jets? To if, hide, we're, right? if, if we're going to go and do all this, we'll like, you know, have this pact. Why are you going to go and disrespect me like this? So to make things better on your end, because you're looking like a jerk to me right now, I need you to go and tell me that this planet's mine. It's going to be part of War World. All these people are mine, and I need you to give me 10,000 of them Thanagarian jets. And now at the end of this whole thing on – like, oh, send 10,000 to him. Nobody will so know that. on top of everything else, when we have the Superman and his, like, you know, Felosian rebels and just all the different rebels that Midnight are put together here, now you also have 10,000 Thanagarian world killer fucking jets coming after Superman with Mongo. Like, you, you, you done did way too much here. Just too goddamn much. Yeah, it, it ended up, like I said, it, it everything hits you here. And it does feel like a lot of catch up again. It feels like a lot of things that he has to get out there. That he didn't have before, oh, and we've really liked the story. I, I didn't up until even now. tell you about the freaking the, huh. uh, the what are you, ancient, Byla? No, the ancient <laughs> god of Olgrun, and the idea of this ancient god whose children then thought he was too like mighty, and then they went and like the old gods went and fought him for a millennia, and they broke Olgrun into seven mystical pieces that would then become worlds. And then if you like, Mongols also searching for these ancient mystical pieces to put Olgrun back together. But if a pure person finds all of this, they can be the savior of the universe. But if a bad person finds it's the end of the universe, it's, it's pretty much master of the fucking universe right now. Yeah, or Lord this of the idea, Rings. This, of the, exactly. It's the rings. This, this ancient god, and all I wanted to go back to was like tying back to the seven hells with like Olimar Sin on Thanagar, which I always wanted Mongol to be the same kind of species as him and stuff like that. And so the idea of the seven here, and they're like, you know, that like the, um, the seven pieces of him, like, oh, does that refer back to this? But it's just somehow we have an ancient old god who is also tied into the story of everything else that we've described tonight everything we've told you about war world thus far in the story arc why the hell would you do this to me it's with a little this too point much. time it's a little too much and i i just want to see superman you know kind of take it to them i want to find out a little bit more about light ray because light ray is i want to know more about light that ray Omac. Is dead, I and see it actually goes team. back to that whole situation too in the um in the backup when uh byla asks uh, like byla is talking about the whole thing of uh you know the origins of mongols and the necropolis on war world and when that alien came down it's, it's our just our big back of the story but in that whole thing you know you have byla telling the story and there's these ancient writings around him like you know what could an old storyteller know of such mysteries and stuff and you see this this drawing on the wall of what we saw from that genesis piece when it took over that guy and created that giant monster on earth and then superman flew down inside the monster where we had a holographic <laughs> how do ah, you yes. describe this but you had this thing know. you had a circle an holographic circle inside the body of a monster that grew out of a man and inside the circle you had a, like a superman s in there but one of the like the cool kingdom come ones but like the one we saw in superman the authority that was the stylized one but you have this on the wall in this backup so i'm like there is something going on here and i have tried my best to describe to everyone listening today and i this can guarantee Nobody can understand what the no, fuck I'm talking about. I don't think you can. It, that's the problem. It's very tough. This is a very tough issue to talk about. Also, again, I will say in this weird roundabout deal where when you're reading an issue and you could sit there and say, this is a well-done issue, but it's not a well-done issue. I mean, the no, art even is the good. Art with Federi- no, it's not, because even when Superman goes to, to fight Teacher and it's Orphan good. and Darling the robot, when he's striking down Darling, I had no idea what the well, hell I was looking at. that's the one at. thing. I'm saying in general, I don't, you know, people got mad at me. I don't like Federici's art that much anyway, but it's not bad. I usually do. I mean, I've seen bad art just this week. This is still 
quality deal. The story and the writing is a quality deal. It's just either not for me because it's just such it was a slog for me to get through. But by the end of it, you get through it. We learned some things. I can take some some of the things I didn't even learn until you talked about them because I didn't quite connect some things. And that's a problem. But now going forward, hopefully this ends up being that foundation. We get this done and going. I'm really shocked that this wasn't more of an annual, which we have an annual feels next like an week. Annual. This yeah. feels like this should have been one of those annuals. Or, that it feels like about four annuals. Maybe. Yeah, really. And it could have been that idea of if you are into the story, Superman gathering up his team, you want to see Midnighter get Apollo back. Okay. Oh, and also Midnighter me, right? is, it looks like he might be mind controlled in one of Mongo's forces now yeah, for some weird. reason. Yeah. On so top of everything else. With all that, if you're there, hey, I'm here for Superman, the rebels. I'm de- okay. But if you really want to explore the lore, that might come into play, but it's more of the idea of be- making it a big, grander story, whatever. Get the annual and read the stuff with this war world lore and how it came about the war zones. And I think it would have been better played that way because when I read this, it just kind of like put the brakes on things of how excited I have been for the yeah, story. Sir, but as well. I had the same problem. If you remember when we had the one, that first issue with Frederici's art, where it was like the big gladiatorial things, which it oh, was pretty badass. cool, but it was a slog for me because he didn't really progress things. It was all the, oh, we did that for about four months. It felt like, and and like it oh, no, feels we like tell we're a story. just being told things here. Instead of a story being told, it's more of facts being thrown at you. But by the end, like I said, I hope that this Not is even stuff facts. that we They're can They're just go. stories being told by an asshole Felosian passing the time. You end up having a bullet points deal. I think Phil Kenny Johnson, I got to talk about that. I got to talk about that. I'll get it out like, there. We'll make it look good. Even the idea when, like, where's Enchantress? Well, she's over here, but she got to understand. She's being held by this witch. And she, like, this witch was, like, killed her entire people because, like, Mongo is coming and it's a way to show how strong. So we just kind of leave her where it is. So the idea of going and fighting Enchantress and going against this witch who seems to be scarier than Mongo, let's not do that i'm like you have like i said before at the beginning of this that's another six issue arc that should have been talked about the idea that you have another part of war world that is pretty much run by a witch who now has enchantress for some reason and it's her she's her pet and i'm like okay all right what what did you give this again i had a lot of problems with the federici art and the action moments at the beginning with superman and his rebels taking on teacher and stuff like that as progressed i think it got a lot better the art that is and even the backup is amazing and i like learning about the mon- the new like you know ideas of mongol and war zones like i wasn't all about the like trying to combine those two elements at the beginning when phil kennedy johnson started doing it but now that he has i've gotten on board to a degree i want to see how he does it and what he has done so far seems pretty interesting to me at least and i like to i continue liking what i see it's just everything was compiled on top of each other here to the part where it became overwhelming and not a very good story overall. So I'm going to give this a six out of 10. I, I'm going a little higher than you. I'm, I'm at a six, eight. Again, we like the story overall. This just seemed not to this story. And again, I'm saying I'm saying overall. And this, okay, though, the whole world again, world thing, yeah. I don't give a rat's ass. Because there's, like, five, there's like 15 stories in here and I need to figure out which one I like. Well, I'm saying I, I don't really care how he connects war zooms with Mongo. I could care less that was a mistake that brian michael bendis did i don't need to play catch up there for months after months after months i really don't care you said it it's there here we go i want war world i want to see mongol do some things mongol hasn't done much he just sits around and yaps and barely does that i need to see something more well i want to see that and when you start hinting now i'm excited again but the lore of war world and stuff like that i don't know that this is going to be something that five years from now i'm sitting there thank god i got that it's not going to be what i think about in the story overall when it's over i think i'm going to think about how superman didn't have powers went and freed 
these people started a rebellion, all that would be cool. And the elevation of Mongol himself in the story. But we'll go off to the next issue, which I swear I, I thought we missed like six issues of this when I started reading it. But what is it, Eric? Aquaman number four, written by Brandon Thomas and Chuck Brown, with art by Sammy Bassery, Vincente Vicinfuentes, Adriana Lucas, and and World Design. And in this issue, we are trying desperately at the beginning of this whole thing to try to tie back to that Aquaman 80th anniversary story where Scavenger was finding his guidestones. And we're trying to make that mean something here. And I don't think it really works out all that well because like 10 weeks ago when, you know, Scavenger was taken on Jackson Hyde when he went to the island looking for the guidestones and the little Andy had the guidestone, even though there's a bunch because the whole idea was Scavenger in that because I explained it all with the last issue of Aquaman where the like sorcerers had hired him to go and find these guidestones to open up a freaking like a guidestone to put into a scepter that becomes the freaking key to a freaking treasure vault. And now all of a sudden, like we find out from Ocean Master who breaks Scavenger as like, you know them guidestones they're actually not what you think they are at all and actually they can like you know if you hold this during a death like a deathly uh a, a deathly like energy strike you're, you're going to be okay and that's what the guidestones seem to be now so we can turn the freaking handle of the signal that i'll send out the freaking the the, the message to turn on all the atlantean sleeper cells <laughs> this is this has gotten convoluted real quick and to me, this is again. It's now a six-issue mini, and you know, yeah. wasn't it always? Sure you was. always say that, but it wasn't, and you can tell it now. This is something where they have said you're not going to have more than this, and all of a sudden they are putting it in. Like, let's just avoid a lot of things. Let's go because up until this issue, you go from an issue where. I mean, Jackson Hyde is losing his mind. He hates everybody. He's doing this, that, and the other. Sounds like a teenager to me. Am I right? Suddenly, he's just like, all right, I'm all with you. And dad, you're... I, I thought I missed an issue. I thought, oh, man. And I thought to myself, because we even had that deep target, that nonsense. So I thought, did we skip an issue for the podcast? And I didn't read it. No, we didn't. And it just seems like all of a sudden, you just are like, oh, oh, by the way. That whole thing on Mars, it wasn't really Mars. I went and checked out something. Everything is just thrown well, just at you even here. imagine that, the idea that, like, you know, everybody wants to get to the bottom of Aquaman acting funny, which I'm like, he ain't acting funny. You are acting funny. But yeah, Mero went You're to Mars to go talk to Dr. Frankenstein, the doctor and the monster, because he got his PhD now, it seems like. But anyway, he's t- she's talking to Dr. Frankenstein on Mars, finding out what happened to like Aquaman. She's like, oh, he was here for like an hour and then left. He's gone for like two weeks. I'm like, well, I don't know what to tell you. We find out in this issue the idea of the Atlantean sleeper cells, and for some reason we have to tie this into when Mera killed Aquaman. Like, I found out about this, and before, and I was going to get onto it, but then, bitch, you killed me. And then when I came back, we had Andy, things got crazy. Turns out I used my my Mars time to go and, quote, neutralize that threat. I'm like, did you go around the surface world and start killing people you thought were sleeper cells? Because when you say neutralize, yeah. what does that mean? Arthur? I think he was doing little brain salad surgeries. <laughs> Let me look at you. Dig this out. The weird part is, though, is you keep bringing up in this issue the idea, hey, by the way, Mara killed Aquaman. Mara killed Aquaman. The weird part is, is you actually should have recapped a couple things that were just from last issue. I didn't think they connected well when all of a sudden Arthur just starts talking. Oh yeah, remember that Mars deal? Yeah, I was out and about. Like the the lead into that and the progressions felt like we missed a couple scenes. You end up having all these things going down. Scavenger seems like he just got the script. It's like a movie, but he didn't have time to learn the script. He's just walking through things, yelling stuff that barely makes sense in my mind to get this whole idea of 
this signal going off and Aquaman didn't have enough time to neutralize everybody involved. But this issue, if you are involved in a black mana and want to get he does get elevated a bit as a good guy in this and you end up having in a weird way, in a forced way, kind of what you wanted when we got into this whole deal of a black mana showing respect for Jackson, his son, and Jackson actually liking. And that's the one thing that saves this issue for me is that by the end, I actually really like the way that Black Mana and Jackson are now, you know, kind of together. And even in a really good scene where Aquaman finally is like, all right, you can come out now, Black Mana. Here, come in. And he actually gets accepted at least begrudgingly to be there in the inner circle. I just don't think this is going to work out, though, for Atlanteans who have a big job to do, because over at the UN, we have Atlantean delegates coming in saying, look, I understand that you're all upset about all these supposed Atlantean attacks on the surface world. Believe you me, it's not us. We're going to get to the bottom. And then, like, everybody's just yelling, like, we don't feel safe. And then when you have somebody show up and says, like, you know, for Atlantis and then blow up this freaking UN meeting, I'm like, oh, poor Atlantis can't catch a break. And Atlantis can't catch a break. But the, even that, like, the progression, we, we laugh before Scavenger, he gets his new outfit. He's got guide stones. He's going and he's attacking you up the ante with him. A lot of people don't like Scavenger or think that he's, like, a really lame. Aquaman does not have a lot He of is a very lame villain. But even the idea of giving a new suit, making you more powerful, I think you are trying to up the ante because there aren't a lot of standouts beyond you know black manta and freaking ocean master and now black manta it's almost like the idea where you have two kickball teams right and you just took the best player from the one team black manta and now they don't have anything left so you have to up it i think it was just up so that he could go toe-to-toe with but black who are you manta, gonna put obviously. up here next the fisherman like really yeah, I, I mean don't really like... there's not much but even it's when you bring in freaking peter mortimer here the scavenger and the idea is like okay you have these guide stones okay and i don't understand why we need the guide stones when orm is supposedly just going to give him a new super suit anyway this seemed like it could do the same thing but we are changing the guide stones to be magical protectors for some reason I really got the idea for when we like Aquaman and Black Mana found the, the the source of the signal. The thing that has it's almost like one of those nuclear keys where you have to turn both at the same time, but the energy that does it will end up killing the people who do it because that's the way like the sacrifice of making this whole thing happen. And when Aquaman and Black Mana find this, like there's there's like an arm that's just like there, like burnt off or something along the way that they found. And like the other person, like they must have been really strong. And we had the Black Mana suit. That was able to go and take that before when him and Arthur were turning it off. So Arthur, he was really strong. He was able to take the blast of this. And because of Black Man's suit, he was able to take the blast of that whole thing, turning it off. So when we have the ideas like, okay, Scavenger, you have these guide stones that will protect you. I really thought that it was going to be Ocean Master and Scavenger here doing. But the idea is, all right, Scavenger, you got them guide <laughs> you stones. Go you somebody. go find somebody. Isn't I don't care weird? who. But like, why did we have to complicate it I don't further? Know. Why can't Orm just be strong enough to take it like Arthur was? It got really complicated in that scene of almost like you should know exactly what's going on. It was so confusing because then they're testing and it. Why aren't we using the guide stones anymore? Because he was like, know. oh, my God, this feels so amazing with these. I'm like, look at them. But you're not using those anymore. You got a, just a new super suit. <laughs> I mean, seriously, he's looking at those hands like when Jombie got hands and had something he wanted to do with them. Miracle of Peewee. You end up, though, with. This deal where it ups him, but then it lets Jackson like out of nowhere. Jackson then is like, don't you hurt my dad? And I like that. Yeah. But the progression into this is so weird that it just happens like you don't have enough issues left. So let's get going. But even then, when you have this, you know, hey, we're going to send somebody to the U.N. We're going to have this discussed. Like, none of that really played out well, as you also see a bunch of these, you know, sleeper agents being activated as well. But one of them In being there at the too. U.N., yeah, I know. I saw. And 
So you end up at the UN where you have a you know representative from Zebel or a Zebel deal, and it, I'm like, what? Like, how was that? I, I, the progression I just, was terrible. I just love the idea, though, that like you have all the major cities that are freaking sleeper agents all around this whole thing. So it's like you know Cleveland, Ohio to Metropolis on a train, but like. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Bloodhaven, Central City, Coast City, Chicago, Star City, New York City, Smallville, Kansas, and <laughs> London, England. I'm like, look, I London, know it's where England. Superman's from, but you don't know. This is just a Smallville in Kansas. Why the hell did you have that? I love it. It's there? like the London Eye, the Grant Park County Fair. The Smallville <laughs> County Fair is the freaking hit spot. Ooh, I'm going like, to tell them. going to show them. But yeah, so all this going down and... Like it's a black man. I feel like a weird inclusion. Black man being yeah, it was black man like being Midway City's better. I like to, and I really would have liked. Like if you're really at the time or whatnot, it would have been really cool to get. And there's no other way that you can make a black man be like a lovable guy if he was like you catch him playing with Andy, like he's there throwing her up. We and have, Andy's infatuated with Black Adam. Yeah, that's great. Oh my god, it's so cool. And so that's a cool way to show you can even play the idea that a, a little he, she knows he's good and said something. But when I also you end didn't up realize having him, until this issue that Black Mana has Devil Rays or a Calicum Trident. I didn't yeah, realize yeah, that was something yeah. he was carrying around this whole time. I think he had last time that they mentioned it I, really for some quickly, reason just but, didn't like like notice or remember. But so they're they're deciding their plan and what they're going to do. And they end up, OK, we're going to get, you know. Heiwa to go off to the embassy, the United Nations. He's going to be our ambassador. He's going to end up telling everybody, hey, listen, How we got to, you know, give us some time and we'll figure this out. We're doing our best. We don't think it's us, whatnot. And you have the, you know, the classic sin. I don't want to listen to you. You guys have this. But they decide, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll give you 48 hours. You figure out what's going on. Cool. And then this lady again, where, you don't know who ha- these people are, obviously. And she just comes up, Zebel remembers, and hits a deal, and the place blows up. And I'm really like, of all the things that you're doing here, and you're going back to Zebel? And That's right, this never nonsense? forget. I'm like, where's Dagon City? Eric, do they have a representative? So Nobody wants to remember anything in Dagon City. Yeah. Well, you end up, well, what's I, half the time when things like this go on, I'm like, many people are left in Zebel every time a story happens that place gets decimated they're and ends fine. Up being like, well you end up well now they're in trouble or whatnot and it looks like they're fully going and you have the word go to mara oh my god you know we just got attacked there's a big explosion we don't know what to do in the meantime though the big thing is that mara and Aga, they're gonna rebuild a tower station to do a signal for this deal, and that seems like a weird roundabout deal where they get Mr. Terrific in here to do it. it and he says so at the weird. end, terrific. It's like such an odd idea that all this story going, and now we're just going to rebuild a tower signal. St- I, I just, it ends up really falling. No, the flat. thing is, for some reason, it threw me off. When, when Jackson Hyde shows up, he's like, sorry, sorry, he was hurt a lot worse than he let on, and getting a transport up to him took a little longer than I thought, and the whole place is just on fire right now, and he's trying to explain why he's late to this whole building the station, and then off panel, you have, no worries, brother, and it's Mr. Terrific talking to Jackson, like, you guys have never been there. For some reason, him calling him brother <laughs> threw me off upset. so bad. I'm like, I'm like, I thought it was Delilah at first. That's because yeah. of the brother. He's there. And just the idea, that's a cool deal that they have Mr. Terrific there, even though he's like, all right, I'm here, Mr. Terrific, with my tech. How are we going to do this? So we're going to use Atlantean technology. All right. I don't know cool. shit about that, but let's go. <laughs> he Sounds knows terrific everything. to me. Uh, that's okay. But 
it it feels like it's such a weird deal. It's like just imagine that this is happening in a real world situation. Oh my god, we have sleeper cells going and they're being activated. I say, I know how we'll stop it. We'll build a signal station. Like I don't know. That seems like it might take too long. What are we doing? Signal went out there to activate them. So what we need to do is like build an equal kind of station to send out another signal to deactivate them. At that point, the county fair in Smallville is going to be destroyed. You're not going to get it. I know that we're going to play the idea of the Atlantean technology is super fast. I love when we get that, but I don't know that. that, Like, isn't there just like a tech bug? Like, it, it seems like they're building this entire complex. No, just build a machine. Have that. I think that Mr. Terrific might even have something that can let's figure out the frequency and jam it. I don't know. It just felt weird that by the end of this, with everything going on, the big play of a cliffhanger is Mr. Terrific building a tower. Whatever. I just want to be a Garth in this whole thing because he's just going off to alert the Just League and freaking Titans just because to be on standby. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the job I want. Standby. The I'm UN tell, just I'm going to tell up. people to stand by. To I don't think shit you need standby down. anymore. The UN building was blown up. I mean, shit has hit the fan. Though I did. I said, I like when you have the gathering of the Aquaman family. And they're down, and you end up like, all right, you can come out now. And like Black Man is there like, hey, everybody. The thing, though, I would suggest to Arthur is don't do I know you're going to want to do this underwater, maybe. But don't, because I don't know that you need Black Man to be in his outfit. You might be, he might be a little more personable in just seeing the man behind the mask or whatnot. I prefer, the, I prefer the outfit. Well, I'm telling you, not when most of these people have been almost killed by that outfit. You might want to just show the man, but, and it's all wrecked and shit. He's going to fix that, but you end up having that Andy likes the eyes and thinks it's a cool outfit, because it is. It's one of the coolest outfits in the whole DCU, but it's nice to see the family. This is where you ended up having Brandon Thomas even saying, hey, you're going to get all the family, whatever. I'm like, yeah, kind of. You, you don't get you a messing? lot of it. You don't really get. I'm saying though, they're not really doing anything. They're just talking. They're making a plan to go and save the world. They're also Jim. sitting there. Don't you know that Mara killed Aquaman? Are you guys dense? I they mean, they didn't know. They're just talking heads. I I thought that they'd be off. But now they do, Like you Jim. said, there's Garth who people want to have. Got, he's just going off to tell people to Look, stand I'm, by. I'm he's I'm not okay going to do shit with him more here than ever in Teen Titans Academy with him just being a lunch lady. Yeah, I think that this is just the same. We're probably not going to see him much from here. He just went over to tell him to stand by. They better get to the UN. But what would you give this by the end? I think the art in this is still great. And I like the idea of putting the Aquaman family together and, you know, everybody getting on board finding the idea that neither Jackson or Aquaman, Arthur Curry are on, you know, the bad side or being taken over by Martians or whatever the case it was previously. We are now together. We have a plan. We're going to take down some sleeper soldiers. And I'm all about a 6.5 out of 10, because even with the idea of getting on board and doing these things, it was a lot of catch up for people. If you didn't read the last issue, it seemed. Wow. What people are reading it I mean that's why it was cancelled This book is not selling So with all of that I give it a 5.5 It's nothing It's going to end We have two more issues left And it's just going to end And you'll just have Jackson taking over Because Aquaman going off to die And I just don't I'm not interested in another deal of Oh for Zebel Oh my god we got to build a tower And stop these you know signals and stuff It just doesn't seem as interesting to me As what I was hoping this would be You do get that part though in this with that father-son deal That's what we really wanted And you end up having You know, Black Mana being a pretty decent guy here And maybe that will be what we get out of this In the long run Where maybe when Aquaman is gone If however he's gone, Dark Crisis They end up having Black Mana being able to step up With Jackson and, you know, fight the good fight So 
I'll say that. The art is really good, though. I do like the art. It's very colorful, Eric, as well. So I'll give them credit for that. But it also looks like it's Kurt Cobain in Smallville. I just want to mention that. So I'm paging through this the deal. I'm like, well, that's where he went. Uh, but with that, we're going to go off right now to some mail. It is the mail, Eric. And this week, again, we get Luis. But if anybody else wants to get involved in the mail, just like Eric Shea at times, you can email us at Weird Science DC Comics at gmail.com because I only see it till later. And then I giggle, Eric, and I laugh. I laugh, I do. Here we go, though. Luis says uh, this week, hello, Jim, Eric, and the Get Fresh crew. It's time for the question of the week. Who was the first comic book writer that you liked enough to actively look for more comics by them? Eric Shea, you're going to be more in tune with this because you've been reading comics most of your life. Who is that? It's a funny thing, too, because thinking about this mail earlier in the day, it's the idea is that when I was younger and reading comics throughout my life as a kid, going into a teenager, I was a wannabe artist at that point in time. Before mm-hmm. I gave that up, when I realized my art wasn't going as far as I wanted to and turned to writing. But at that point in time, I was mostly in the, the comics because man. I loved the characters. But when you had amazing art throughout the 90s, I was enthralled with that and would actually follow artists more than anything. And yep. during the Uncanny X-Men Onslaught series with Joe Maderia. But once I, you know, was doing more and collecting more and had more money and was able to get the comic book shops, when going in a different directions, it really was Jeff Johns when he jumped on with, you know, certain things from Teen Titans, like after Young Justice, and even stopping, you know, and uh, doing the Hal Jordan and Green Lantern rebirth into the Sinestro Corps War and all of that. that. Jeff Johns, while people hate him now for what he has done in movie theaters, well, movie theaters, but movies in general and stuff. He how might he's have done some Hollywood. bad things at movie theaters themselves as Maybe. well. I don't know. I, I don't tell The idea him. in my mind still is that he is one of the best writers that DC Comics has had in the last 20 years, and I would read anything that he puts out in the DC Comics company. Yep, and so with that, I will verify what you just said, because when me and you first started talking about comics, and you're the one who got me in the comics, if people aren't aware, most people who have been listening would know that, but a lot of times to this day, When I end up doing some things, you know, I'm doing the Marvel stuff or whatnot. When you start talking about stuff from your youth there, back in the days of youth, it it almost always goes to art first. You end up where I'm like, oh, uh, you know, I just checked out Todd McFarlane's book. Oh, my God, those webs were the best. Like those. And you, me and you just last week, we're talking about Joe Midori. We actually were looking up things after we got done, because when we're done recording, sometimes we'll sit and, you know, yap about things and we'll talk about stuff and we were looking up different things i ended up seeing him uh he did a link you know uh, a picture of link from zelda oh, and right, i'm right. like oh that's cool and you're like oh my god you got to see this but when you said oh he did a link like a url what are you oh, talking no, about no, <laughs> not a link. he's like click on this it was clickbait eric i ended oh. up it was like you'll never believe why eric shea isn't talked about anymore i'm like no nah, i kind of know i, I hate those clickbaits the idea because so it makes why? me, why it makes me sad me? right before it's like yeah, nobody in Hollywood deals with Ross from Friends anymore, but you'll never know David Schwimmer. I couldn't remember say. his name. <laughs> David Schwimmer isn't in anything anymore, but you'll We're not, not even going to tell you his the name. sad reason. And then I click on it, as I do, already sad, go through about 50 things that's all just about him being on Friends, whatever. And then at the end, it says he's semi-retired. <laughs> even if they get to that, drives me nuts. It, it, Midori, he doesn't do that. But you do end up where... 
you have brought up or when we're talking about things, even stuff that you didn't like, you always end up. It's not usually stuff from the past of, oh, that story didn't hit or whatnot. You will say like, oh, I didn't like the way they drew Beast in that one. Or I, I oh, really yeah. like the way Colossus looked in that. I don't know why Colossus I'm looks cool on the X-Men stuff. But I a was lot a big th- X-Men kid in the 90s. And a big Spider-Man deal. Sure and then you ended up, you know, getting a tattoo. I don't know what it is. You say it's the Green Goblin. I don't know, Eric. That's still up Stop for debate. <laughs> now, so with that, that is me setting up the deal that you were the one who got me in the comics and then got me excited about comics. And I got into comics when you had bailed from comics almost with the new 52. So when I did go in in a separate deal, I ended up also getting onto the Jeff Johns tip. Not even you just telling me to do that, but I had read that Aquaman book at first, the Justice League stuff. But another guy from that point on was Jeff Lemire, who you're not a huge fan of, but I I really did like the uh, Agents of Shade, Frankenstein, the Agents of Shade, but then going off to like the Black Hammer stuff at one point. Even on the trade, Eric, I don't know. they took that off. They got rid of my quote because all these fancy writers started liking it. But I ended up really following him. But I'm not as much as like you who had been reading all along and follow things. I just go well, by It was a cool thing and- for me because when Jeff Johns originally came out and the idea that we're going to stop doing this to Kyle Rayner, who was my favorite, you know, DC comic book character of all time, not alone just my favorite Green Lantern, but the idea is, all right, we're going to stop doing that. We're bringing Helen Jordan back. We're bringing the core back. And pretty much Kyle is going to get relegated to the back end, even though he's been the fucking best thing in the last yeah. 10 years. But the idea, Says like, you. I hated him coming out here and doing the, like, the uh, the emotional spectrum with all the this, Skittle, like, Skittle lanterns. lanterns, as we call you it. You yelled at me about that right away but when we would first start. I ended up reading it because I'm a Green Lantern fan, so I wanted to see what, the, like, the hype was and everything going on with it. And eventually he won me over, and I read everything else that he put out, and they all just felt like they came from the heart and that he really understood the characters and took the past, the present, and put it into an interesting future. Yeah, and and again... Just to throw this aside, and I even heard some other podcasts talking about this at one point, or maybe it was a guy on YouTube or whatnot, but the idea of what we do now, you kind of get stuck in this rut where we're reading everything and and you're not just following things as a fan. So when we started out, like the things that I did, like you said, Jeff Johns and then Jeff Lemire, but DC itself from 2013, pretty much on, me and you have been reading and then 2015, I'm recording every week. So we don't get that idea of following a person like that but when we do end up getting a jeff johns book you do get excited still sure do you end up we would still be doing it even if you didn't like them or whatnot but you end up still and you could tell when we ended up getting doomsday clock you were fired up do you remember when shazam was announced holy (laughs) shit (laughs) oh yeah yeah that didn't work out so great but still you ended up really enjoying that but But again it is kind of a fun deal of do you follow artists more than writers or do you father characters more than both of those and all that because you're also well, a very my favorite big artist guy. ends up not doing dc stuff like the idea of like jason fabach and even gary frank you'll get them like very sporadically and i don't even know when the last time we had jason fabach but like yeah my favorite weird. artists don't seem to stick around at dc comics very much unless you have a big event ham coming out with jeff johns yeah, they figure out, oh, Eric likes this. Uh, we'll, we'll dial that back. Like, what, what was the last Jason Fobuck one, like the Dark Side War with Jeff Johns? I think that might have been the last. And even like uh, Gary Frank did the Doomsday Clock with Jeff Johns. Yeah, who did the, who ended up doing the Three Jokers with it? Wasn't uh, that Jason Fobuck as well? I Maybe thought it that was. that was. I, I thought it was, but I Maybe might be mistaken was. with that because I remember them announcing it for so long. Yeah. And Jeff Johns went silent. And it was just, you get. Dribs and drabs with Jason Fowler. Well, Jason the deal. Fowler, you're right. Yeah, I thought it oh, was. Man, I that think bo- that book looks the good. Last deal, and it looked great. And it's such a weird deal. And that book, another thing that you were excited about, we liked it enough. 
I mean, it wasn't perfect. Well, it but was we continuing liked it. on that cliffhanger at the end of Dark Side War years later. I'm like, how's this going to work out? Oh, it's not in continuity with how that worked out. So it's this weird little side project, but it looks great, doesn't it? But since then, and since the deal, I see a lot of. I mean, a lot of people just want to shit on that book so oh, yeah. much because of Jeff Johns and because well, not of only the deal, that, because but, they were just out of their minds about the idea of Jason Todd having romantic feelings for Barbara Gordon. They lost their shit for some reason, even at the notion of it. Well, I, I'm glad we brought this up because I actually got a little tinge of that continuing bit so in I. the Task Force C. And it actually, but I pushed it aside. I actually like that. I'm saying I actually like the idea of like at points. I like having those connections, even if it was a weird romance, but then not. But the idea of, hey, we're friends and things. And I think that that strengthens that and made those scenes a little better as we go forward, because we will be talking about that book in just a minute. But that is uh, the mail. And again, I did say, yeah, Jeff Lemire is a guy that I, I really do like. And when I go with the idea of tying into us, trying to read everything and talk about it on the podcast, if I end up doing something like read a black hammer, something that's not DC or Marvel or whatever, that shows that, you know, I'm trying to you know check him out, check him out there. He followed us and then blocked us for some reason, Eric, and that really Probably upset something me, you but did. that's what happens, I guess. I mean, it is our both of us as a combo. Who knows? I think it had to do with a certain Harley Quinn writer, so then it wouldn't be either of us. But we're going to go, and we'll be talking about that as well as we go off to the next section of books. Eric Shea, Eric Shea, the comic's most of his life. Eric Shea. Eric Shea, Monet Jess's wife. You know he can barely see from even inches away. He's a continuity kid. He's a hero, Eric Shea. Yes, Eric, that's the extended version. I didn't play that for you before. Uh, a dedication to you. A little a too big extended. big man child there. It was a 58 second. We've had some that are like two minutes or whatnot, but there you go. A little tribute to Eric Shea. We have three more books left. Yeah, we'll see if Eric is positive about these. He's read comics most of his life, and he Jim knows his read. way around the block. It's not that I can't read. It's Barely. that I get tired. When things are a bit of a slog I mean, I already mentioned it a bit For the action comics this week But we're going to go to a usual suspect To start this This is not a book that's really in my wheelhouse As they say It's The Swamp Thing The Swamp Thing number 13 Written by Ram V With art by Mike Perkins, Mike Spicer And it did a bit of car And I just end up reading this Yeah, second season Did the first one does, Does he realize the limited amount of time that he has to tell a story because we ended up saying in the first 10 issues, it was just that 10 issue maxi series. You get to the end and all of a sudden nothing was resolved, really nothing. And you, you end up adding issues. Then you get back to it. And I still don't think he realizes maybe they just keep telling him we're going to give you this amount, but we're really going to give you more at the end and whatever, because I don't get the idea of what this overall story of what he's doing because he's just kind of meandering about, I want to get in and out of this and know about Levi and want to back Levi 
just maybe go on to be the Swamp Thing going forward with this. I say he does. But I don't think that we will. I think that after Dark Crisis, you're going to get back to the idea that they're trying to get back to some basics and deal like that. I think that Levi gets pushed aside. And then we get full back out with Alec Collin, and this is just a side note. We even have Batman recommend, recommending Levi in this issue. This boy is in. Yeah, I don't think he's in. And if he is, I need to know more about him besides just, hey there, I saw you as a kid and thought you were pretty neat. That's why he's now the Swamp Thing, it seems. He was a dreamer, Jim. Trees rarely dream like this little boy Levi was who would one, one day become an avatar. World. I know some dreamers it's about, myself. It's not about the idea of one kid in the whole world. It's about one kid between him and his brother who were chosen to become these avatars. Yeah, but chosen in a way that then you have this Parliament of the Trees person thing who says nobody else wanted you, but I did. So you're in. I ended up getting you. But even in she that. veto power. That's barely most of the issue. We're dealing with the cities and the gears and the Jack Hawks. How do you kill an idea, Then at the end, you end up having Hal Jordan show up. I don't know what this book is trying to do with three issues left here where I just want to know. I mean, one of the things people loved his Justice League Dark. He ended up continuing and finishing what James Tynan set up. A lot of that shit was just shoved aside. I saw people this week actually talking about it on Twitter, saying that that was one of the best books ever That's when he took it over. That's because people don't remember James Tynan's parts in that book about the idea of how the Upside Down had more than just the Upside Down Man. It had all of these forces that went and, you know, changed the Nanda Parliament to the Necropolis, the Parliament of Trees into the Parliament of Flowers, and even Hell was decimated. We never got back to any of that. You didn't get back into that. So when you end up having that guy who finished up and didn't get back to, say, the Parliament of the Trees, really explaining what's up Nanda with the Parbat's green. apparently still the freaking Necropolis and, as far as yeah, I'm concerned. There you go. Nanda Parbat. But when you're dealing with a Swamp Thing book that comes out of that and you still have no idea what's going no, on no, with we, the green, the Parliament. We dealt with that I, before in the, the, like, uh, the Just League Dark book previously. We got the Parliament of Trees back in that. I'm just saying, I don't know what the green is up to right now. We had a corruption in this. Get we end up avatar. now having this, hey, we're going to pick you. What's going on with Alec Collin himself? What's the Swamp Thing hole going? New and then in this, you end up just like, well, we have Trinity as well. We got the radiation going. We got the factories. And well, it's that's just one of the why. things that's weird because we were talking about the ideas before, like when uh, you know Scott Snyder came in on the New 52 Swamp Thing. We wanted to do a whole bunch of new things like the gray with the fungi and stuff like that. And then Charles and then Sewell Charles came Sewell, in really, to yeah. end that whole thing with the Machine Queen and the avatars of the machines and stuff like that. The idea of creating new parliaments for a swamp thing to go against, even the idea just in general, which has been a longstanding thing, even throughout Alan Moore's world, with the idea of like, the concept of things taking on its own sentience, being something that's alive and wants to be something like a person and beyond, like we have the, the, the forces, the elements of the world itself. So when we have the concept, the beginning of this series with that desert wraith, you know, the, the, like the sand avatar, which then we have, you know, the, uh, the, the man who is combined with that to become the new machine, like the, the factory, the gear worker, the clocksmith, you know, avatar that we have here with Mr. Pilgrim. It seems like that's almost awakened something, but I want to say it happened before that because you had this idea, this concept of the sand coming live, drinking crude oil for some reason, but it became something deeper later on, but that was coming to life. We had that idea of the hate bomb, that Nazi bomb that was left behind in Britain from World War II, and 
what the ideas that would put on people it didn't fully become like sentient being and put it to like you know have its own consciousness or like parliament or anything like that but it seems like that's all that ram b is really doing with the series but it seems like an escalation out of nowhere and i want to know the catalyst behind it because even in the last issue going to this one we had the like almost the idea of that you know that uh bomb that nazi bomb that i hate bomb where the atomic bombs out here in the desert in America, the idea of the nuclear bomb and the testing and stuff like that, well, that's come together and made itself into a woman. It's called the Trinity off the Trinity, Trinity freaking test site here. But she is just walking radiation. And I'm like, you're doing too much, especially if I, since that's I don't I know think. personally that if the, uh, the Mr. Pilgrim, like, you know, clockwork avatar, the, the, the gear avatar, if he is actually affecting the factories in Detroit because I still feel like that's something different, but I don't know. And that's the the weird thing and, and all this. I know that when that hate bomb issue came out and people were talking about issue that, the five, idea where that I think it was that that was just a one shot, not really connected. He wanted like to, it. he wanted to explore a thing about hate and how hate and doesn't ideas. dissipate and goes and ideas. So with that as an aside, but in this, and you talk about it, we talked about it before. The idea that this is trying to harken back to a bit of Alan Moore, but you point out that Scott Snyder added some things. Charles Sewell really did. He added the things. The problem I have with those is we already had a basis of the swamp thing in those books. So adding it, you ended up, you know, kind of not elevating, but adding, you know, things to a book that we already had a known factor of Alec Collin and a swamp thing as we discuss. And then he reacts to this. Levi, I still feel like he's just there. Like, oh, what about this Levi's? Well, he's the swamp thing. Oh, his brother Jacob, he's the bad guy. But you're not using the space here of 16 issues eventually to go. And the Mr. Pilgrim thing, I think, could be interesting. But then once you introduce him and start to get him going. Well, even when you have the Floronic man in the background of his court. Exactly. That's real interesting. That connects. That's a cool thing. And you could play off the idea of, you know, learning about Levi through that as well and vice versa. But then I just all want of Woodrow sudden, to eat him. once, though, we get the idea of this and the Pilgrim and we... Then all of a sudden we get somebody else. Oh, Trinity's here now. And it always seems like he's well, always this looking for the Gollum next deal. That we have to have Jack Hawksmore and Swamp Thing fight out of nowhere. That's its own factory avatar. It seems that has come to life now and doing this on top of Trinity, on top of Mr. Pilgrim. And it just feels like this weird awakening of ideas out of nowhere. But I don't know the catalyst or why we're dealing with this. Is, is it combined with the idea of Levi becoming the new Swamp Thing? Is it an age of new avatars? And, and that's what I'm doing? Yeah, I don't even know. Even with the concept of just, oh, we're here. You're doing a walking tour of a living being factory that's grabbing homeless people in Detroit and you're doing this and maybe we could starve it maybe we can do this I got a little confused just of what exactly of was happening because we're just grabbing homeless people and turning them into products to make inside this facility so you have flesh cubes yeah yeah cubes and that's the, the weirdest thing Gotta about that working. is it ends up in my mind being something that it's a lofty you know thought product it, it's something that seems very intellectual but then by the end of it, I just kind of want to know what's going on and get something. I mean, it, you just have a cybernetic meat monster fighting Swamp Thing. What does that do with the factory idea and Detroit being left behind in certain areas where the Greens should have taken this place over, but the factory awoke and had its own ideas of things? I'm like, is this, is our other factories going to have ideas? I don't know. It's rough all over. Ideas. <laughs> is know, the housing here. market going to start having I'm, ideas I'm for too damn high? I don't know, baby. Uh, but yeah, a lot of people like this. I think that this book, gets lost in that thing and again if you like it i'm not dissing you i'm not throwing shade but i do think that this book gets into that well it gets into that like rut of 
oh man, that book is great. Instant classic. This is the book I said earlier that I saw a reviewer like, we're dealing with the future and also instant classic. And like, I don't know, because when I read this, the, it feels like the concepts are just kind of well. This not feels there to me like we had an action just, comics this thing. Like the entire yeah. story so far for our second season, like we didn't do a lot for our first season. We kind of got scatterbrained with the origin of Lilia Kamei as our new avatar for the green. But now it's just like okay, it's season two. All these other avatars are just thrown at you. You don't know the rules. You don't know why, and you still want to know more about Levi. So you just keep throwing all this, including Wildstorm's Jack Hawksmore in here for no goddamn reason. And by the end of this one, Hal Jordan shows up because of a a freaking plant based alien invasion. I'm like, what what are you even doing yeah, right now? Because that's weird. Like Hal Jordan shows up almost with the idea of like, hey guys, we're gonna get the like that's the fun action stuff coming up. But you're going back and forth, and even then, we have three issues left. What do you mean? It, I know uh, that it's all scattered. Now I'll give a little bit of a deal for Ram V. Ram V ended up having to tie into that, you know, Suicide Squad stuff. And maybe that's why we got these extra things. But he, Somebody has to light a fire under his ass. I feel and like get those were story. some of the best issues for some reason, I know, but I don't remember like they were yeah, great because they were more straightforward. And again, when you end up where I, I'll agree at points where people say, "But Jim, this feels like a Swamp Thing book." I'm like, "Well, it damn well should. It is Swamp Hopefully. Thing." But it's almost like the idea that you get away with lofty concepts that aren't really played out because that's just how it is oh my not god played out, not defined but here it is kind of wordy isn't it like just the idea like, of like, I like to you give you know, shit, but some of it is overwritten to the nth degree just because it, it does because it doesn't want to define anything so it has to talk around what it wants to do and again when i say like you know we joke about it but i yuck, do yuck. have an i have an attention span problem and I know problem. when something ends up not really getting me. And this is a book and action comics this week where I then have to get out. I get out my earbuds. I got to put, I got to listen to white noise and nothing because I need to. I, I mean, I do. I have to get it. So I have no distraction because gotta nothing get is stretching me. Deprivation tank. Yeah, I do. I get this white noise or else I will never be able to get through the issue because any little beep outside, I'm going to end up thinking of that because this is kind of nonsense you don't get anything defined you end up going through and then it feels like throughout all these issues that ram v thinks that things were defined and moves on and so you have this parliament of the gears deal in the solicits coming up that's really mentioned as the big bad of this well, whole series then but yet i still don't know what is connecting that to pilgrim how this goes and hopefully we'll see it but then at the end when you're like there's an alien invasion of plant mine. What? Like, really? Like, the you know, what is Swamp going on here? Jordan Green Lantern team up to save the Earth. But also, Mr. Pilgrim's doing some shit back here. I mean, you get here. And again, we talked about the over narration. I mean, he will spend three pages discussing how a guy walks across a room. And all you need to do is say he walked across the room and I he put that. his feet down. I will and- tell you this. It's not as bad and overly narrated as we have in like the human target because, you know, uh, Tom King and that has to talk of like, you know, spend an entire panel. Like I thought about going to that, like the, uh, the nightstand. I went to the nightstand. I yeah, opened the nightstand. True. I pulled this out of the nightstand. Like that is like with the first couple, like at least the first few issues of Human Target that I read. That's what it sounded like. But when you get to the Trinity character, the new that's radiation. The one where I, that's what I'm the, talking about. I'm on that page. steps have come one <laughs> after the other. She enjoys the ground beneath her kneeled feet. God are the rocks and rattle of wind amidst the standing cacti. The horizon is now spotted with a sparse cropping of mad-made roofs as she listens to the night-blown sand pelting upon her fingertips she sees him a creature of the form that she has chosen chose for herself 
in him, she sees frailty and infinite strength at once. I'm like, yeah, there's an old dude over there. That's that's what she's saying. I mean, and, and he is going, and I'm I'm looking forward I'm to him desert, doing detective. Over there, there's an old dude. Can you imagine? I mean, like any of that 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 doesn't have to be in this. Like, can you imagine that's Batman? Like when he does detective, he's like, I imagine that's what it's going to be. Honestly, he walks his first step on the annealed. Gra- I'm like, really? I imagine like, that's going to be the entire thing. Like seriously, the smoothness of the gargoyle beneath my fingertips as I watch over my city. Gotham City. What Tom King does is just repeat what you're seeing on the art. So kind of like, really, you didn't let the art. This is more of like you end up having uh, Mike Perkins like, what am I drawing here? Like he gets this and I I don't even get the cuts. I'm like, okay, I'll draw an old guy. And and it takes a whole page of I walked a step and saw an old guy. Well, that's the thing is he's not going he's not going off the narration and how he's going to write. It's actually written out what it's like, well, you know, what it's supposed to be, though. Yeah, yeah. He he ends up doing that. And then, you know, you just write whatever. But yeah. And so with that, once the Trinity shows up, it, it is just and you stopped after almost a page. It just keeps going, going and going. The, of the old idea dude said, now, here, you're naked. You're a naked green woman. Put on my jacket. Come back to my house. And then when she woke up in the next day, he was dead of radiation poisoning. Oh, no. What am I? That poor man. Everybody is afraid of me. <laughs> Again, that concept of an avatar that just comes to be made by nuclear explosions and something that kills but wants to be nice and ends up killing the one person who seems to be nice to her because of what she is that she can't help and then going through that's that's pretty cool. We it's could do just, that with why Kemo, do we need though. why do you need four pages to then like and then they shot at her once. They're leaden bullets. To, I'm like, come on now, tell a story. Like, I feel like I could do the same story with Atomic Skull with Amnesia. I know. He, or Dr. Phosphorus and Batman. Yeah, exactly. You end up here where it's like he's he's in love with hearing himself narrate. And, and it gets really annoying because then it's that idea of, oh, my God, this must be good because it's flowery prose, whatever. I just want to find out some information, have some fun. But well, then at the when end, you when you fun- see Hal Jordan, I'm like, what the hell's going on? That might be fun, but it's weird. Even to when in Levi here. goes to the parliament and tries to see what's going on because he feels a disturbance in the force and the parliaments are like, you have already failed. While you slept, the world has changed. Everything has changed. A new parliament is rising. A parliament of gears whose grinding machinations will crush all caught within. This is an idea of made things, untempted by love, joy, or the heartbreak of watching things grow and live and die. We would have wished to watch you grow for a little bit longer. But the idea of my, what, is, is there a parliament growing with radiation too? Because that shit's going on. I just saw it. But it's just all about Mr. Pilgrim and his gears. We need to do a, a re-edit of this. And, and that page is now, oh, shit, you were away for a while. And these gears, they're they're up in their ante. We're fucked. We're there talking you go. about the avatars and what it means going forward because of the jealousy with uh, with uh, Jacob, you know, Levi's brother, yeah. Hedorah. I'm pretty sure it's Hedorah, but I, I'm pretty sure I'm just calling out the, the sw- sw- smog monster from Godzilla. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's along those lines. But the idea that, because we have a war coming, we don't. They, the parliament doesn't think that Levi's strong enough to take this whole thing on. So they're going to go with their original choice of freaking Jacob. Now he is the strong one. He's going to be able to take them into this fight now. And it, it makes sense that like, not makes sense, but it's an interesting concept that when we go off to fight with Hal Jordan for a botanical alien invasion, that you know, like uh, Jacob's heading the fight over here with that. So what you might get, like over at the Aquaman, you might even get Swamp Things, where you have a brother duo, of the avatars of the Green, which could be a really cool concept going forward. Again, we'll see, but I don't know where or when we'd have that. I don't know. And hopefully the hate in Jacob's heart allows the green to heal when he realizes that he does need his brother. And and the weird thing is, is the last solicit deal would be the final, the finale of this. So whether or not they'll have another series or whatnot, I don't know. 
this book doesn't sell well, but Swamp Thing usually doesn't. So we'll have to see how it goes from here on out. But yeah, I don't know how much this will carry on. If it will, Dark Crisis could end up kind of putting a nix on a lot of things like that. But in the individual issues going on here, I like the the stuff with Jacob and that. That's interesting, right? Alec Holland, he is a classic, you know, character. People want to see him, but. He's played out right now. How much more are you going to do? The idea of bringing in a new character with a new background who's not just a, like a plant taking on a dead man's life where you have somebody who can change him as like a Hulk character. That's something new and interesting that I want to see continued on because Alec Holland, while he is a fan favorite, like I said, it played out in my mind. Yeah, and, and Swamp Thing, like I said, doesn't sell well anyway. So I'm not upset. I'm not here saying, oh, Levi, screw that legacy character. Suck. Like a lot of people do. I'm saying if you're going to introduce, <laughs> if you're going to introduce a new Swamp Thing, Give me some information, not only on him, but give me something about why Alec Collin and not the and whatnot going. And and so I don't need but Jim, these told you other already. avatars. Alec's over there in New Mira. He's doing New Mira shit. Yeah, but that kind of end up getting pushed. Like, that's the, the big point, though. I want to know what's I going on in the green fully because this green doesn't want to say anything at all. They're just kind of almost like it's only showing up like we've never seen this green here. They're doing their thing. But I want to know more because the stuff with Jacob and him and especially, hey, they picked Jacob. That's interesting. That's pretty cool, especially the idea that this war and this corruption, these gears, it's so bad that they might not really want Jacob, but they need the stronger one. They need the one who's going to do the job. Give me that dude with antlers. You know he's hardcore. Yeah, you know that guy. Look at him. Uh, and that's interesting. That's the That was the interesting thing in the first part where we said about the brothers, but then you ended up kind of getting away from it. Never really centering on anything in particular with the swamp thing it's always kind of veering off to something else i don't know that we need a trinity here yet or that we need you know it's kind of a neat thing for i guess levi needs something to do so he's gonna help hal jordan that's great whatever but we'll see how it plays out but you only have three issues left and i just want to get a, a real grip on what al what i almost said i'll call him what levi can make what he can do a swamp thing what the whole, thing stuff what the whole green is like the the real concept of how it goes for can we get another avatar just because somebody likes to cut us somebody's jib is this something new is this something going on are they aware of things and i just want to know that but it ramvi does not want to tell it's like he doesn't want to like narrow down any sort of storytelling he wants to just it's always open it's always concepts over story and it's just starting to get to me and not starting, starting, it has, but the art's really good again, but even Truth. at the point, sometimes it gets a little confusing, but I don't know if it's the art or the, the concept that they're dealing, yeah, like, is it the concept of the factory, I don't know, or is the art just, I thought we have like a, oh my god, it's Optimus Prime rib, Eric, because it looks like an Optimus Prime made I of meat, that. right, he's there, I would too, well done, oh my goodness, Eric, I, I mean, seriously, by the end of that, I just, I'm confused, I just want to know what's state. going on, I want to know what this Parliament factory is it's just thrown out there but i mean what else can you say it looks cool at the end where how jordan shows up he's really glowing that ring from the other room as well so we'll see how that plays out where his maybe power, that'll man. be the fun right uh but what would you give it 6.7 out of 10 i think the art's great in this is just a little overloaded with what it wants to do like you said the idea of concept over story where i do want to see that story we're just doing too much and not enough going forward when we have three issues left of this keep on piling concepts and just the idea that what we had from that first season you know the first 10 issues like 
not a lot was resolved in that. It was a little like, you know, infuriating. So it was happening at the rest, but we're not really doing a lot to continue on to give us the answers that we originally wanted. We just keep on piling more and more things. And I'm afraid the same thing's going to happen at the end of this that it did in the original season. But I still enjoy a lot of the concepts and want Levi Kamei to go forward because I like him as a swamp thing so far. And the idea of him and his brother dueling it out, I like that as well. Yeah, I like the concepts, but even some of these concepts, I just, they're just thrown on other concepts. We're not getting a solid idea of what these ideas are. And the idea of coming back with six more issues where he has convinced him, listen, just give me six more issues. I will get to it here. We're going to define. And then he seems to like "Eh, wander off a bit again. I got these six. Oh, I can wander some more. I just don't get it. But people, like I said, critical darling this book but it's not selling great but it's weird because swamp thing usually doesn't so i can't really go with that but hopefully people are enjoying it a little more than me but what is next eric did you give it a score i'm giving it a six do you are what's next task force z number eight written by matthew rosenberg with art by jesus marino jack herbert vincente sifuentes adriana lucas and rob lay and this issue does a thing where if you've been enjoying task force z but i've been on the fence a little bit about it because it's too like but the amount of bat books we have, people just saying this is almost like a bat book that we're getting without being called a bat book because it is a Jason Todd book. This book decides that it wants to join the rest of the fun with all the other bat books in the DC universe right now and say, this is a strictly bat book because Jason Todd, while you might have his Harvey Dent and freaking Solomon Grundy and freaking clones over here, Jason Todd is going to be hanging out with his family and doing his dems to prove himself amongst the bat family. And that is the entire issue. So the, and the idea with that too. The way it's presented, you're going to get a lot of tropes and cliches that you always get whenever Jason Todd is involved with the Bat Family, Nightwing, Batman, any one of those characters. And you get that again here. And I still had a good time with it. So it's such a weird idea. I just wish I we could get beyond it. the tropes and the cliches. Almost like, you know, the idea of getting beyond the dickhead Damien where we could make involve that character. But it's all it's just all like, you know, death and crowbars. And that's all we're going to talk about here because it's Jason Todd. But it felt like to me like the Robin series that Joshua Williamson did where finally you get this deal where you have Matthew Rosenberg writing it and he gets Jason Todd and wants to give an issue where he throws it back, especially the idea. We always see the crowbars just that little bit. We always talk about it. Crowbars didn't kill him. And he says it. And though it's a cliche, I'm like, damn right. A bomb killed you. You're right. Go at it. When he breaks Tim's nose, even looking at it, that makes me just, I know, it makes me just, that has to, that hurts when you get your nose broke. That never is happened. vicious. Oh, I, 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 I just always yell not in the face. Yeah, so it's never yeah, happened I am like seven times. My nose is so crooked, but it's so vicious. I thought it was the rest of your face. I thought your nose it was is straight. everything, but no, that's the only thing. But you end up where all this going down is Jason trying to go off to get the Lazarus resin sample from Batman that they had at the beginning. And, you know, you kind of throw in that little bit of up the ante a little bit before of Jason not knowing if he really needs himself as well. And all that where he's not going to tell Barbara when he goes. Well, we have a big problem going on leading into this book with the idea of Harvey Two-Face Tent went and freaking, you know, through everything he had at Jerry Powers. The idea is like, if you don't give me what I want, I'm going to march back with a goddamn army only for him to go back. Yeah, Mr. Freeze stole all of our stuff. We don't have an army. And he just starts (laughs) screaming because he's in over his head completely. The only thing left is to steal a sample from Batman, which could be a chore itself. So the big brain on Jason Todd to show us how much of a badass he is has to come up with a way to not only get into the new micro cave, get the sample back, but make sure that Batman does not stop them from what they're doing. Because if Batman's going to do something in Gotham, he's going to do it right. And for once, out of all of these encounters, and that's why I love this issue, even with all the tropes and cliches, 
Jason Todd is one step ahead of everybody in it, and it shows how much of a badass he is. But the thing is, you don't know that until the very end. You think things are getting fucked up. There's a there's a little moment in this with I, the idea. I, I, I kind of got the idea when he ended up running into the the lady the that was on the thing. On the that like, I knew. Oh, good heaven! Like, yeah, what is oh wrong goodness. with you? Like, oh, that's a plant. What's going on with that? <laughs> yeah, I knew that, and I thought, okay, they slipped the deal. But even with that, like you said. I don't mind this because what they play off, and again, we I was bitching and moaning Detective Comics, Batman, he never knows anything anymore. He's doing his deal, but it almost plays off, and I like this idea, it plays off like a Hans Gruber type deal, again, where you're having a heist, but you know exactly how they'll react. Okay, we exactly. gotta get Batman out of there. But then you and have then, the idea how they, how the Bat family themselves, are they they know that you're gonna do how you think to try to pull one over like on it. us, so you gotta play three-dimensional three chess here, or fourth-dimensional chess, to make sure that you're thinking differently from how they think you're thinking to get things started. That's good. I, I really that like that. I'm say. telling you, the way that you said cliches and things like that, but when you end up having the bad family just individually show, and Jason's like, really? Like, now you're here? Why don't you call Spoiler over here? You gotta get the signal. <laughs> I mean, seriously. We'll make this a real family event. And it is that deal where he, you know, you feel for Jason a lot of times. Even I, do. I He's said, one of my favorite characters in I the bad said, family. even this week where you had Ghostmakers say, I can't let Clown Hunter get hurt because batman would then go over the top and go across the line across the line deal and you're like really and so jason is that guy okay this is the thing with the idea with jason that i love and you have a different connection with him and whatnot from you know reading him when you were little and stuff like that but the idea that i like about jason is they all think he's a piece of shit a lot of times he is the guy who is over the top all that he's got a guy gardner syndrome in the bad doesn't he does not stop being himself and in the meantime he usually isn't as big a dick as they say, and he just lets it go. He lets it go where they have their tropes. They have, okay, Dick Grayson, you're the nice guy. You're the guy there. Hey, Tim. I like Tim's like, well, you're what am I? You're one. the boring one. It made me laugh I'm so like, much. How it's dare so you? Good. That's so good, though, from him. But he made Robin bearable in the 90s. Not a little pixie boot wearing kid anymore. He was a real Robin. Everybody else's kind of you. trope ends up being <laughs> good. Jason's the one who always has to be the guy. Oh, he's the black sheep. He's the guy there. Even when Damien shows up, and it's, it's still Jason who gets the short end of the stick, but he he allows that to happen. And I don't think they quite realize how much that does. It's one of the things. It's almost like the idea of family guy throwing in that you find out that Meg being so like yelled at or whatever makes the rest of the family better because they're all fit. That's how I think of Jason, that without Jason, they're just going to go in and start beating each other up and stuff like that because they get annoyed. He's the punching bag that they go. And I like that he uses that as his plan here. I thought it was great. And I really did think that it was like what the, you know, what uh, Joshua Williamson is doing with Robin, with the Damien Robin deal to give you a Jason Todd who knows what he is, but he kind of, you know, tells them at points like you guys always say this. Stop it. I'm better than you. I'm going to. And and I like seeing him just beating the crap. I When he hits sucker punches Dick. Tim and then sucker punches Dick uses the electric attack. I mean, he is ready. He is planned ahead. He's the Batman. Well, I do love the idea of that because a lot of people are getting really pissed off on Twitter this week because people are just saying that Jason Todd just beat the crap out of Cassandra Kane and the idea of how he does this whole thing because this is his family and he is worried when Cassandra Kane shows up. Like, he even says when she shows up, like, hello, like, fucking hell because he knows that she's here. She's the scary one. So yeah. when he does take her out, it is just because of a puddle and an electrified crowbar. It's a very strategic but pretty much 
it is. a Hail Mary move at that point in time. Here's the thing. I know that this idea, oh, my God, this is the comics. This is what's happened. I mean, we've had even worse things. Remember when Batman punches Harper Rowe? That, that's crazy back in the day. But these characters, when they go against like Cassandra against Jason Todd, they're not thinking of each other as, oh, that's a girl. That's a boy. That's whatever. That is, you that know, is the world's most deadly weapon. That's that Cassandra just behind me. That's a deadly weapon. And, and they sparred together. They've done all these things together. They're going to fight. You, you're going to end up where if you end up. Cassandra Kane is already good enough to beat up Batman. He's afraid of her. You don't need to say, oh, you can't punch her. Like, she will kill you. She she will destroy you. So I don't even look at it as that as we're going on here, though. When when Jason hits and breaks Tim's nose, I'm telling you, it hurts you broke my every nose. time I see that. When he, <laughs> it's so great. Tim is when so he does shocked. That. I'm just sitting here like everybody's going to do the cliches of bringing down Jason Todd with all the tropes that we've ever had here. But I'm like, why can't? Why can't Tim Drake catch a break anymore? He's become the joke. I wish that first off in that right before you could have had the idea of the, you know, Marsha, 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 but the Dick Grayson, Dick Grayson deal. And then end up that's like when she got hit with the ball in the nose, my nose. But it was pretty funny. But yeah, you have all this going on as Batman is delayed well, all this whole thing. Is it's, a, it's a two-pronged plan right now because we need to get batman out of the micro cape so in order to do that we have harvey harvey dent going with solomon grundy and amelia one of the the clones dressed up like madam crow to create a diversion of freaking stuff going on so the bat cave like you know the the door opens for the batmobile batman leaves and while that's open jason todd makes his way into the micro cape but confronts barbara gordon not knowing she's going to be there but pretty much you're keeping batman out of the way but while this is all going on it seems like batman and Barbara have already prepared for the idea that Jason Todd is coming to make sure that the rest of the Bat family will be there to confront Jason while Batman goes out to take on Two-Face to pretty much shut this entire Task Force Z project down like he wanted to do weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. And and they all know about this. And he even says, because he's like, I'm working undercover. Yeah, the undercover that Batman told you to pull oh, out he told of you about before. That? He's like, oh, man, you guys just sit around and talk about me. I mean, that's <laughs> bull crap. And I liked it. I liked the idea because in the meantime. He's sassy. In the mean, in the meantime, again, there's Jason, and, and Jason gets stuck in this sort of deal a lot, even with Batman. The idea when he does go undercover, where he, he's there by himself, and nobody ends up like he. Yeah, they know that he was supposed to pull out of this, but he knows that this is something we have to stay with. And he's saying, "You trust Batman too much." You, oh, even guys, the idea though that like Jason Todd is the outcast. Everybody looks at him as the villain, but all he is trying to do is make them understand that all he needs to do is what is right. And he has to make sure that he continues. That's how good Jason Todd is. He has to throw everything that he saying. believes in and cares about here because he needs to get done right. Even if they don't understand that. At yeah, the time. they don't understand. And he has to, and he says, you good can't you, trust Jason. Batman like this. Come on now. You know how things are, whatnot, but they're going with, again, they're going with their MO that they always do, that Jason is even counting on them doing. But it does feel real that he says, come on, you know, you know, down, I'm doing something important. You could at least try to figure this out and maybe look at it a little different. But I like that at the end, he just skedaddles. But yeah, I, I really did like it. And in this, I'm telling you, I even got a chuckle at Mr. Bloom, and I do not like Mr. Bloom. I know well, you, you hate him. You more. just have a backup. I'm not a backup, but a background out of nowhere to show to continue showing you how out of his fucking mind Mr. Oh, Bloom crazy. is working in the background of the story with Jerry Powers and Powers International. Yeah, at one point when he's talking because he gets this guy who's a, you know coming to look over his yeah. research. He says assistant. This guy's like, no, I'm kind of in charge. He's like. Oh, I'd like to pick your brain. <laughs> the guy's like, well, I can't tell anything. He's Mr. Like, Bloom is just going to kill everybody. <laughs> he is. He's there. I just like the idea where 
they they go down a deal. I think it's really funny the way that this guy comes in, this lab guy, and he's a scientist. He's going to oversee this, and he's like, okay, well, what is this experiment? Well, I don't know. I'm doing like six experiments right now. I got these things going. In. Well, what's your control? Oh, I have no control. He's like, no, I mean in in the experiment. Do you know science? Oh, I know science. Well, where are you and running your results down? Right. Right. And he's like, what? I love when he's like, well, where's your control? Oh, I never had any control. He's like, that's not what I mean. He's it just made out me of laugh. his mind. And it's it funny. It really yeah. made me laugh. Especially when you're you're regrowing a man bat body out of a baby and I stuff know, like that that you're freaking doing to get the information of like. I don't even know what he's playing. I don't even I, think he's doing Lazarus resin bullshit anymore. I, don't know what he's I think doing. he's just torturing Man Bat and growing a body back. That's the best. Is when this guy comes in, Mister Bloom doesn't know what's going on with this. He's torturing me. He's like, oh, he has such a sense of humor. <laughs> he covers his One mouth. One thing in this interaction, I do wish it continued on with the joke. When previously, when he got Man Bat in that room by himself, where he wouldn't say his name right, I forget what he called him, like Carl Langstrom. I wish he would have continued on with that joke, but he gets his name right say, in this yeah. instance, and it is funny too. Like the idea where he's doing all these experiments and this guy's like, oh, well, what about him being a bad? He's like, oh, that shit he did himself. He I did mean, that. I, I I'm do not that. doing that. I'm just doing this other stuff. He's got the electrodes and the wires in his head. Hey, why is he strapped down? Well, if he isn't, he's going to pull those wires out. It, it's so funny. And it's Help nothing, <laughs> but it made me laugh. And it actually, because of the Jason Todd stuff, that is a little, I mean, for the Bat family and for Jason, it's a little heavier deal. I thought that, that was a good comedy relief and works in the scene. It's not like an ambush bug that out of nowhere is like yelling stuff on the side. This is a guy who, you know, is completely off his rocker, but yet he's in charge and trying to do this stuff, even with mentions of Miracle, like crazy stuff. But I do like and we said it before, before we end this, because, we, you know, we're almost done the issue. But I did like the interaction between Jason and Barbara, that Barbara really does want to help him. Jason has to she use that. She was playing that. a goddamn role. She I knew that he was doing the entire time. Didn't stop watching him once. I don't once. think so. I, because they say she went back and watched the footage. She didn't, and the idea of you don't have to play a role that you actually allow him to get the resin. You, that's like too far a role. You could have him open that up and it's empty. And then the jig is up. He can't do anything. But he did grab it and go off. And then they said, oh, we know you did that because she went back and looked at it. I actually thought at one point. Like a minute after he does it. She didn't trust him for a second. I know because he left. I mean, when she left the room, I I just don't know what the play. And if it is a play fully, then Batman is more of an idiot than I think. Because the idea where you know he's coming for a resin, but yet you leave him in the room by himself with the resin so he can take it. And then he got away with it. I mean, that's a little too much. I don't think the Batman plan on the entire Bat family not being able to take Jason Todd down. You know, the joke. Why have the re- if you know he's doing that? Why not have fake vial? It, you don't have to give him the real stuff. You don't have to allow him to get that if you knew he was going for that. I don't think that they really knew exactly why he was going to be there. But then once they figured it out, they went and got on his case, whatnot, because it'd be a very weird play to allow him to grab that. Unless at the end, Batman just as he does say, "It was always my plan. I knew you needed that, so I ended up letting you get that." But and maybe we'll even find out. Why well, don't we find out that it isn't even real? That it wasn't a dupe, but it would be. It's really going to screw up the rest of our story. That Two Face needs that to put the Suicide Squad bodies back to life to make them Task Force C to take on Powers International. I know you're coming to grab something off my desk, but I allow you to grab it just so that I can grab you later. And it's just a weird. Well, play. I don't know because maybe the thing is you expect me to come and grab something off your desk, but because you know how good you 
are and the people around you are, you never expect me to get to the point of that. Yeah, but that's that's a weird play to, to go that many steps when you just don't have to have the thing he wants there. And then it's over. I mean, you don't have – you can still have them come in and grab like them. When, like the idea when you were hiding those pills from your kids and had all these different hiding spots, but they would still find them. You were still putting them in the same spots. Yeah, no, I changed the spots then every time. I wouldn't get there. And, and also – did, did you ever have placebo pills that they would find? Yes, I had empty uh, – the one time I had two empty bottles of the things with notes in them. I mean, should, legitimately. should have had aspirin in there so they thought they no, won. No, I, I, I don't even know it. The thing is, though, my kids weren't taking them. My wife was. <laughs> she began, They were her medicine, but she wanted more or whatever. So I had to put these little things. I'm tied them in couches all over the place. But I wouldn't have just put them right there on my desk so I could just, aha, and then, you know, beat her up with a crowbar. But Well, it was hidden behind an entire, you know, bat cave and inside of a locker that was locked. Yeah, but it was where he knew that they put it at the beginning of this whole story. They did that. They, you know, they put that deal there. He knew right where to go. Sent Barbara out to get another communicator a little you know, walkie-talkie and then went. And all she did was look at the freaking video camera. The worst thing, though, she comes out, though, and even goes like, oh, man, because he's already left. And then she runs out. Wait a minute. You forgot this. It just it's too much of a play for me to think that they knew every step of the way that he was going to do that or else they're, they are morons uh, to let that go. Because now he has got what happened if you ended up. I mean, just the idea. He steals the vial, right? You know he's going to steal it. You let him steal it because you think they can do and, and Dick Grayson punches him, and it shatters. It's gone, then. You ended up ruining the only sample you ever had of that for Batman. I don't think he would go through that route to risk that. But at the end, Jason ends up disappearing. He also handed it off to the bag lady, which was sure funny. Did. And Deal he you. didn't realize that it. it was kind of neat. Like, as you're reading, you're like, ooh. Like, they don't know that he's going through that much sentence. And then he did a disappearing act in the subway and somehow got away from Cassandra Kane, Tim Drake, and Nightwing in a subway that he's tied up in while they look the other way for a minute. Yep. And then Batman goes to their lab. Jason Todd is the clear. And he is. Everybody is, actually. I even like the I like the idea with Harvey, who's going through all this, too. And he's like, he doesn't quite think that it might work out or whatever. But at one point, like, oh, do we fight Batman now? He's like, we don't fight. Batman's going to beat the crap out of us. We just have to kind of get through It's even funny this. in this whole thing where you have to keep up the supervillain persona where it's Two-Face driving. It's like Solomon Grundy is the muscle to keep Batman occupied while they try to drive away, like the heist and stuff like that. But just Amelia is one of the clones like there's no reason for it but she's dressed up like madam crow like she doesn't have to be you just have to keep up that weird persona yeah, of the freaking game deal. you're playing exactly that they need to look like they have this army go but even solomon grunty were like good job solomon good job and you know batman's there batman's getting crap kicked out of my points too he ends up where the batmobile gets explode. it explodes he's flying I good job jason fun. you did i it. thought it was pretty fun and, and i'm a little upset at the idea that this became a full-blown bat book this issue just because it's, it's always true. on the edge right there because of how many we have going on in dc comics right now and this always felt like it was on the edge the line of being a bat book because of being in gotham being a red jason todd book and stuff like that and how much you know you could actually get batman in the book but now this is just a full-blown issue which is a little bit disappointing at times even though it, it was really good for the character overall to show you how good he is and why he should be the head of this book even if at times it got a little tropey and cliche with the stuff that we always play with whenever jason todd confronts the bat family and because i love the art and these other things that are a problem with, i still give it an eight out of ten i'm giving it an eight five I, I really liked it and like we said the trope I don't mind when you deal with the same cliches and tropes when it's going from Jason to throw it back at them saying that they're cliches and tropes. Like we said, 
hey, what about the the crowbar? He's like, you guys realize, you know, the idea that I didn't get killed by a crowbar, but it can still break your face. And he ends up hitting them. I thought that was good. Also, (laughs) in any book that we've had for how long, you're always waiting for the issue that Batman comes and beats the living crap out of I Jason I just don't Todd. want this we to be the situation, though. We have this confrontation because it always happens. It's a part of the tropes and cliches I'm talking about because I just – and this thing is maybe it's just a personal thing that people are okay with it. I just want Jason to be okay with everybody and everybody to be okay with Jason. I want him to get on that fucking painting at Wayne Manor. I think after this, it's going to be that they realize that he was a good guy. And maybe this is the beginning where you want to get that last bit where Jason can give it to them finally, because they always he always gets beaten down. Batman almost killed him, you know, in the rebirth deal and all that. So with that, I like that he gets his shots so in mad. here. Oh, my God. They're eating hamburgers one minute and Jason's almost in the ground. Like, the next, I was just scared of Batman beating the crap out of Jason when he thought he killed the penguin as That's much as I was about, yeah. watching the Wonder Years and seeing that dad exactly. and thinking that he beat the shit out of Kevin Arnold. And even the idea of like, you know, good times, like yeah. he's ready to fly off on J.J. Stop painting, J.J. Get a Michael real job. Michael and J.J. Like, got the back of his hand whenever they crossed the line and the cameras moly. were off. And it was like, but. That's why maybe that's like this is that weird play of, okay, we have, you know, four more issues left. We're going to go. We need to get Jason to at least get some shots in to show how great he is. We go on. And I do think at the end we may play that idea that Batman's pissed but then realizes that Jason, especially with that whole member of the play of is Jason – does he need the Lazarus dead, whatnot, when they end up saying, well, well you're going to need it. So, yeah, and so that might be the case where I think he's fine. I think if they have given it to him, it's to the point where he's brought back to life I don't completely. Know. We'll have to see. And and if that's the case, then he definitely would have needed this. And then I think that the Bat family realizes what Jason's doing by the end is for the good of all the things and, and going forward. Right now, it looks like he's just teaming up with bad guys. Batman knows more than that, so... It, it kind of gets me mad at Batman, but he's always keeping it close to the best. But yeah, I'm eight five. I, I really liked it, but we're gonna move to the last book. Uh, is this a heist as well? Eric, we got a heist going on with, with this Harley Quinn. I think Quinn. they're stealing people's money with this book, so maybe it's a heist. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I did. I didn't even ask you uh, beforehand if you like this or not, but I kind of figured. Harley it, Quinn. It's just meandering 15. with bullshit oh to my the point God, where it, it just is. wants to have a reveal, but it has a little else to do. Even when Harley Quinn has to freaking, you know, dress up like a lumberjack to go get some big belly burger while her and Batwoman just discuss stuff on a freaking building. Yeah, well, it's Harley Quinn number 15. It's written by Stephanie Phillips with art by Riley Rossmall, Ivan Placenti, and M World Design. And we've talked about this before, and it even went back to Stephanie Phillips doing the stuff in Future State. The idea that I can never get a grip on which Harley Quinn she wants to write, what she's doing, and she does it again in this, where if you're going to have this over narration of do how a heist. people have are, a monkey. Yeah, I mean, you're playing that's like that. like four pages of fucking monkeys. The Lumberjack deal, that page, I laughed. I thought that was funny. I mean, just that crazy idea that she thinks that that beard is going to pass. As a, I thought that was comical, but. In an issue where you're also playing off of how people don't treat people right and they look at people, di- it doesn't play right. It, it's it's a tug of war. And in the middle, you're just stuck there in the nonsense. And, yeah, you have to have this idea of, oh, my God, we need a monkey for a heist. But then in the same deal saying the Joker didn't treat me as a person and didn't look at me as anybody with any like, intelligence when I was. What is the tone of this book doing? Because I don't what know I'm how saying. to feel with the way she's acting to the narration with this. And the thing is. Even the idea of like the the psychoanalysis of what it means to wear a mask when you have to act a certain way because of how, you know, narcissistic or freaking like, you know, 
how abusive your partner might be to you and how you have to act a certain way, a mask that you put on to the point where it's just silly nonsense over top. Like, And the, the thing is, even the idea of going back to the tropeness and cliches I keep talking about in the last issue, all we're doing is keep talking about stuff that you already know nonstop and all everybody wants to deal with with Holly Quinn, the breakup of the Joker and how she had to act and how Pamela Isley was there for and how much she loves Pam but hates the Joker because he's a bad guy, you know. I'm like, yeah, I know. Like you said, you have this deal where if you're going to go, ju- and I said, I laughed, that lumberjack, yep, it's me and the, the missus, and here I am, Mr. Th- I mean, they're in the middle of Gotham. I'm a lumberjack, and uh, it's okay, and I'm the, that's fun. Go with the fun. Go it was with fun that, until then, she ordered what I would order for myself. I for- know, well, I actually, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm like, there's the Eric <laughs> Shea special. But even in that, though, the then go I'm off where you have this to the idea, well, when you're not your own person, you're wearing masks and you're trying to get involved and you'll end up being somebody you're not there or whatever there, it gets lost in the shuffle. I mean, and it, it seems to be on repeat, peat and repeat going on that really doesn't play out well. In the meantime, you're introducing or reintroducing a, a, a cop that never was really introduced in this. You just get, hey, check out this. Like somebody has told her to check out the file as if she's been tipped to go check this out and then just to say this doesn't look like harley did it you give me that there the evidence is for that to then go the opposite way later and it just nothing played out well even the idea is like this case is closed harley quinn's here we have dna over we have fingerprints we have everything because everything was left behind by the verdict when she was trying to like you know sat like not sabotage what's the word i look for set up a uh, harley quinn with this, this this robbery but then the idea is like there's fertilizer in here too. What does that mean? And then we have Batwoman and Harley teaming up trying to find this evidence to clear her name because right now, Harley, even though she is like, you know, believed to be a murderer, she's also a fugitive of the law for breaking out of black gay prison. So she's an escaped like, prisoner as well, working with Batwoman. So we go in here. It's like, there's something that you didn't look at. You mean the fertilizer? There were large traces of it, all of the evidence. It just ties back to a place that the verdict is hanging out that used to be Poison Ivy's place. Yeah. It's such a weird freaking situation to jump to or why we have to have that connection at all. It's such it's a weird, weird idea. And not only that, because during that conversation that Batwoman is having with this police officer is in the evidence locker, you have Harley dressed up like the switcheroo w- witcheroo until out of nowhere she's just dressed up like a unicorn and yeah, I have then no she's idea unicorn, what happened. And it felt weird. I thought that was somebody else. I got scared. But when you start out, this is the thing. Again, the tone is all over the place. It, it's scattered. Stephanie Phillips cannot figure out what tone she wants, and she's just going to throw things into scenes that don't quite work with the scene before or after. And even the idea where you're setting up where the beginning with this police officer where she goes off and looks into the case file and the thing, it's a cold, it's a closed it's a case. case. Closed. And, and so then you're throwing in the idea because we laughed. Is this just the idea that she realized that people were laughing at the story of, it was so ridiculous that they thought Harley was guilty and threw her right in jail. They have to explain in a weird wink, wink way that there was some sort of finagling going on, that this was the police, but then never really does it. And then has it where, you know, oh, my God, there's all this other DNA. Before where Sam was on the on the police force, it seemed like Kevin's like, you know, girlfriend, Sam. And the idea that she lost that job, I think at some point it was revealed to do something else. But I have no idea. Like, it seems like. Everything she's doing here, she still has pull within the police force for trying to get Harley Quinn like to set up in this whole thing. Or even the idea that we have to make it work really fast. I was like, you were just arrested. Now you're going to prison immediately without anything. I'm like, that was such a weird idea. Now we have to get Harley out of prison because we have that punchline connection that we have to get rid of. But it's just, it was just so forced to get to an idea where we have this new vigilante verdict who's been killing people who aren't on the up and up 
doesn't like Harley Quinn and sets her up, doesn't try to kill her for some reason. But now it's like, we got to take her down. And oh, yeah, it's Kevin's girlfriend, Sam. Like You said this, and, wow. and this is the thing. I'm going to reveal, like, not reveal, but you had said not just verdict. What you said was, and this was even better, before this verdict nonsense even came, you said, I think that Sam is going to end up trying to kill her. Sam is going to be the villain and it's going to, that's how easy she it was. She just had an immediate like disdain for Harley at the museum and it was never brought up or talked about. I'm like, what happened? And so you said eventually Sam will be something she's going to try to get rid of. And not that you knew it was verdict at that point or whatever, because there was well, no verdict at that point. It almost seemed like a weird point. jealousy that Sam was out of her mind and didn't like all the time that Kevin was spending with Harley or all the freaking, like, uh, the love that he seemed to have for her because, like, Sam's the new girl and it seemed weird. Yeah. And it was like, you know, Harley and Kevin, like, brother and sister, but she took it as being real upset. So you said eventually, I know that Sam's going to be a villain. When verdict is introduced, you said right away, there, there it is. There's Sam's verdict. And the play is like you thought that it was so over the top going towards it that it couldn't be. You actually thought, but no, because everything in this book is forced. Even at well, the even beginning, the I don't is get such it. A, like a misdirection where I'm going back trying to look for the subtle clues that maybe creators yeah, might put in can't. there. Where verdict has a different like you know eyebrow color than Sam, yeah. but it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And I mean, even the beginning, the way that this sets up, you have. A funny little scene where this guy comes in and is like, oh, man, hey, Ralph, you're back again. I'm telling you, I worked for the Batman. Call him. I, yeah, I ended up that you stole a purse. Oh, they had drugs in it. It was t- That's OK. But then in that, yeah, the police officer just walking by muttering to herself, this city says I need box. Who's where's that from? What is the setup? What is she doing to have to go? Who gave her? Did somebody tip her to go check this? She just walks in. And grabs the Harley Quinn box and says, oh, my God, this looks like Harley Quinn wasn't guilty. This guy comes in. Put that back. She's guilty. All right. What is the progression of this? I don't get it. And then you end up having out of nowhere because Stephanie Phillips thinks that setup of the box is there. So we got to go and get your evidence. And then they break in to get the evidence. But then it's the same cop who's there to stop them. But then seems to know that there's something wrong going on, even though Harley at this point can't even help herself, but just acting completely insane. This is where you are trying to give a narration of how smart she really is and how people don't look at her in the right way because she is smarter than they give credit for. And she's there yelling about monkeys and holding somebody up with a joker fish. You're not playing the game right here. You're not doing what you should be doing here. And then karate chops and fights and whatnot. But with that, then. They end up just, I mean, it is fertilizer, Pamela Isley. Oh, verdict's just there. Like, why? How? Where did this set up? Where did this come from? And then you end up a big fight and here. And why would verdict be there at an old stomping ground of Harley and, and Poison Ivy? I mean, in the beginning, and I, I was going to bring it up, and I'm glad that we got to this, where I thought when you said, I think that the Sam is bad, I thought what she was going to do is try to become Harley herself. Try to dress up like Harley, maybe do some weird things like that. Not verdict, where she goes and scoops out the eyes of people who have just even blind. the setup of that isn't even playing out in this Harley story. The idea that she goes and yeah, she may say people are accepting you more now. You deserve to be done. But you gotten past that to just be jealousy when the setup was criminals getting eyes scooped out, whatever. And then at the point, Batwoman actually says somebody's done some looking in. There was actually more murders afterwards like this after Harley was in jail. And they're like, you're right. I guess she is innocent. But why is Verdict hanging out in this old place where Harley and Poison Ivy used to stay? That is not a connection. 
that seems to be anything. And they come and then you get an explosion. We got to get Rebel Radio Riddler, Verdict, Man Ray, and even freaking Lockup, you uh, know, together to be the Justice deal. Squad. Yeah, just be the Justice Squad. And so there's a big explosion. And you're like, oh, my God, they're trying to say, everybody, okay, everybody, okay. Suddenly, Kevin, who is, you know, a gem in this book and is really in a story that should have more of him in it. He's been relegated to just cooking things in the background. I want more of him. He ends up hearing a crash and then he goes and sees that Sam is indeed verdict. And please, I thought that is she bleeding out on the floor? Like the here's the where I get the Riley Rossimo deal is, is that a shag carpet or is she fully bleeding out? I don't know. It looks like a carpet to me, but it's a weird deal. It's a weird kind of carpet there, but you never know with them. Even at that, when, when Kevin goes, Sam, what happened to his one eye? It's completely black. I, I, I feel like we've had that on. in different things, but it's such a weird thing. Like, it's almost like it's his dead eye. I don't know. Yeah, he's got a dead one. Well, that's the one eye that he used to see if that tattoo was any good. But, yeah, she's there. Oh, my God, Sam. And then the best is you get Verdict's origin revealed next. I'm like, next really? Issue, like, do we Verdict's care? origin revealed. And this book we end up having in a couple months. It's going to go weekly. Very weekly. <laughs> but why this? The book isn't selling very well anymore, and the story's nonsense. I just Stephanie want Phillips Harley, this- Kevin, and Solomon Grundy. That's all you I need. want I that mean, in this book because that's when the book shined until it had to be a Fear State tie and it never got back sudden, on Fear track. Fear State hit and it never got back because we were really enjoying Keep it. Yeah, we even started liking the Riley Rossmo art. It's not our cup of tea, but we started liking all that. And then this book just seems like. It's it's just scattered. There's the story with Verdict that never ties into anything. Things just happen while Harley gets the gag like of the, the page. Idea, Verdict saved Keepsake from dying so that he would then kill Harley Quinn, but that didn't work out. So then she killed Keepsake, and then she goes and sets up Harley Quinn instead of trying to kill Harley Quinn, which she originally yeah. wanted Verdict to, I mean, uh, Keepsake to do. So I'm like, I really don't know what your motives are or why you're doing anything. Verdict does that, gets Harley arrested, It's and it's a fast-track arrest. She's right in, no, you know, judge, jury, executioner, right in jail. Go right to jail. Do not collect $200. In this play, in this issue, the play really is the idea, oh, Harley always breaks out of jail. So you didn't even pick the right thing to do here. And then what's coming up later in this, after we get out the verdict deal and go, we're going to have a story <laughs> with Lashina. And Luke Fox and a bunch of people in space. I'm like, what is going on here? Please. There's a lot of people on that weird squad. Yeah, there's a bunch of squad. And so. Bronze Tiger on there? I'm trying to remember. Maybe. Maybe. Like Killer Frost, maybe. Yeah. But with all that, you had a really good thing going with Kevin and Harley and Solomon Grundy. The idea of Harley being like the den mother to these people. Who never got a second chance well, and, and never it almost had became what love. we had in Catwoman with the second chances, but in an actual legitimate way that felt okay. Even before with Catwoman and even stuff with, say, Killer Croc, who was helping out people and stuff like that, too. Like, that's what I wanted. That was where you could show Harley's heart and how she is smart, but still is Harley. I mean, you still have goofy stuff going on, but you were and able wants to, to show that she wants to change and really cares for people. And in a way... In a Gotham City that has villains and heroes and they're always playing their deal, that she's the one person who knows that people can change and will accept them sight unseen with unconditional love to get them where they need to be. And I thought that that was so good. It was so I mean, we were so impressed with it until we hit fear state. Things ended up really wonky then. And after that. It just seems just random, scattered ideas of this, and it, it really has lost its way. But I, I do want to point out that we really did like it. 
before Fear State. We, it was one of our surprise books. I had sure it was. as my book of the week. The one week, and it shocked me because it's been I so long I don't know. since a Harley had been that good. And then this happened, and I just don't get it. What would you give this? Um, I don't like the story in this at all because Harley is just a scattered mess. The characters involved are just doing nonsense to get us to the end of Verdict here so we can just get to her origin with no real legitimate way to do that. And because the story is so weak, I don't like the art as much as I was when the story no, was yeah. booming. So I'm giving it a 4 out of 10. Yeah, I'm giving it a 4 out of 10 as well. It's a shame, it, actually, because I do like Harley, and I like when somebody – does try to elevate the character in a in a spot right now where you still have people arguing is should she be a hero should she not and we have some stories with dark crisis where it looks like she might even be on the justice league and you have that argument going on you're not doing any favors here you're just making your goofy then in the back field trying to like backdoor well she's not that goofy she's smart but we'll get goofy because it's like the best of no worlds you're trying to, to get too many things going on what's your book of the week though my book of the week is task force z number eight mine is as well i i really liked it i it's funny too because at the beginning of the week we were talking i forget when we were talking but you said that you were worried like you're like i don't know if you like it but i hope you do because it's a lot of fun i had a lot of fun i actually was giggling at points out loud but with that that is my book of the week as well we have a couple books it's annuals week next week remember that means that it's Patreon only for the podcast. You have to go over to patreon.com slash weird science to listen to the show that will have these books on it. There is no spotlight. Everything's on one show, so we don't even have to predict, Eric, what we're going to have. We have Action Comics 2022 Annual number one. We have Some Batman. story on Clark Kent and Mongol. Yeah, we have Batman 2022 Annual number one. That is a Batman, Batman Inc. Inc. deal. So that's cool. It's funny. We finally get to the issue that we've had a couple of these editor's notes, like you saw in that. Well, we haven't seen shit yet, but we also have Justice League Road to Dark Crisis number Ooh, one. That road's going to be rough, So we're going to see that road. That's where you end up. You do end up seeing maybe the formation or at least the attempt of a formation. What do you Justice do when League? a Justice League is dead? Do you stop right there or do you continue on? Yeah, what would you do? I, would you just make another team and just call it like something else? A, am, I, am I Eric Shea or am I a superhero? No, like, you're Eric Shea superhero. <laughs> I mean, your power is you have read comics most of your life. Uh, maybe you're the money man somehow and, and you get it. Do you think you just rebrand? No, no, I totally have a Justice League. Okay, so you'd have that. But I'd, I'd like to know, maybe we'll talk about what we would because, do. Because like them. I tell you all the time, the greatest part of the Justice League of me is whenever you get a new roster to see yeah, who's going to be it. on that team. And I'm ho- I'm hoping that we end up getting something like we did with the JLI at the beginning of the New 52, where they're going down the line like, no, not Plastic Man, get him the hell out of here. But uh, maybe what we'll do then, because the annuals week and the no limitations that come with it. Maybe me and you will, before then, we'll pick our Justice League of what we would do with the remaining characters, see if it matches up. We also have Shadow War Omega, number one. The finale. Which is the finale. We'll see if what we wanted, more of a little explanation of Geoforce's motivations, how this ties in, possibly with Terra, stuff like and that. And how Respawn is still alive. And since we talked on TGIF, <laughs> yes, since then, I did see a lot of people, I saw a video somebody talking about it yesterday and they're like there's no way response dead i'm like oh, here's here's another one of eric's brethren uh <laughs> what i did want to tell you and i'll just tell you now the idea remember we talked about mark wade has a batman and robin book coming out and you were like oh man i want to see more of this batman and robin i said oh we'll get this. it's actually batman versus robin that that's book, right and it yeah. seems like they're on odds so 
it's still that, but it continues on from stuff. But yeah, Shadow War Omega. I, big d- deal, I was but, aware of that, but I thought for some reason yeah. you knew something about a Batman no, Robin this book was, coming this out. This was the book that they announced this mini event. So he seems to be mad. And it's funny because I ended up, you know, editing the podcast, the TGIF thing. And at the end, he did kind of like, get away from me, dad. I'm going to go see mother. And then went off. So he is kind of ticked off still. But we'll see how the Omega ends, see what goes on with that. And that's it. Those are the books that we'll have next week, Patreon only. But also go over to our Twitter at Weird Science DC. Follow us. We'll follow you back. Our website, WeirdScienceDCComics.com. And then again, the Patreon, Patreon.com slash Weird Science. Get all that stuff, including next week's podcast, all of the DC and Marvel stuff, all Patreon only. So check us out over there for as little as a dollar. You can get those shows. Make you holler, but that's it. That is it for the podcast. We did it. We got through a plethora of books. Eric, what do we say at the end? Everybody have a great week. Keep it weird. weird. And we'll see you in seven. See you in seven. Cody Comics. You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution.